they agree with them on a overall philosophical level, it just, yeah, it just, it just does not work out. Yeah, yeah. You need, you need compromises. I'm a big believer in compromises. You need other viewpoints. You need, you need other, other voices. Somebody who's like, you know, you need you need that back and forth. And I don't. I just don't know what the hell is going to happen with the Republican Party. I really don't know. I think it's going to split, and, and I think Trump is going. It's now like really splintered. I think well, the Tea Party. As we were talking about like blowing it, this could have been the occasion for the uh, Libertarian Party to well, basically assume the role of the Republican Party. I personally believe blew that. I personally believe that is where a lot. I don't know if where young people are. I don't know if young, like the younger generation is. I, I think that's where a lot of. I don't know. I think that's where like a lot of people agree now. I think there's. I, I just see it. There's a lot of people in the club. They fucking hate taxes. I, I, I'm I'm 32 now. I'm no longer one of the younger people. But the younger people I do have interactions with. Uh, this election cycle, they mostly seem to be on the side of. Uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. They're, they're going third party. Which yeah. I respect. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that. You know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I think, I think there should be a voice for like, you know, and unfortunately, I guess, I mean, the libertarians are nuts though. That's the problem. Like that party is insane. Like it's not like, hey, let's just try to limit some of government. Like we can do a lot of wasteful spending. Let's try to not have wars. And let's like just leave people alone. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's how they how they try to put that into action. You don't do a thirty percent fucking sales tax. I mean, how? Yeah, I just see this is like fucking issue with it. Like, it's work. I mean, you know, there, it's just like there's no common sense. It's like that's the pro. I, I think. I, I think this gets to a deeper thing. Is like I think. Most healthy people don't work in politics. I, I actually think, like, other people will – you kind of have to be crazy to – but, but um, yes, you do have to be crazy to go into politics, but you also have to be crazy to go into the same um, work that both you and I are in, being, That's true. being writers, being artists. You have to intensely believe in it and basically be unable to do anything else. And That's true. That's a good point. And that's an issue that I have from this. Like, it's always existed, and I guess it's just because of social media, and that now every single person feels the need to talk about politics. It used to be that you know, politics is one of those things you did not talk about. Yeah. And now it's become a thing that everyone always talks about. And I'm sick of it. I'm personally sick of it. I'm, like, ready. Like, I enjoy talking. I, I, I kind of I love it in a way just because I'm so obsessed with politics. I'm like, yes, everyone will talk about politics with me. I, I'm hitting burnout mode with it. I mean, I'm hitting burnout mode. I, I am going to be sad when Wednesday comes. Actually, that's not true. I'm going to be. I'm going to have a fucking thrill watching online the blowout on Wednesday. But when Thursday comes, I am going to be very sad. I'm like, oh, it's all over. Like now, no one's going to care or know about the politics because yeah, I, I follow it all the time. I, and now everyone knows what I'm talking about. I've hit a. I've hit a point where. I'm probably, I actually enjoy talking about it, and I think I might stick to the, this medium is where I enjoy talking to, about politics. I think I'm actually done 
uh, uh, just on a side note, I think I'm, like, done artistically, right, at least right now for a while. After pumping out a shitload of Mandy books, I wrote two fucking shark politic books. I'm feeling burnt just writing, like, artistically dealing with politics. I, I, I just, and I also feel like things are so absurd that my brain is I, I, I have a couple, like, political stories in me that I was actually kind of, like, lamenting that I did not get written in time for this election season, you know, to, the, to be the capitalist. And, I'm bombing. Uh, and, but, but on the same token, I actually realized that there was nothing that I could have written that would have been more insane than this election season. My writing would have been right. I'm kind of happy I waited because yeah, I mean, things just went so fucking nuts. But but I, I want to I go back to uh, the point I would be making. Like one thing that's like really sad. Like so now everyone's interested in politics, but it's turned into as we've called before this black and white game. And, okay, now now everyone's paying attention, everyone's being vocal about it. That, I feel, on the fundamental level, is a good thing, but how it's, how it's demonstrating itself is not a good thing. I know from working in politics... But, that, I want to say, I actually disagree with that. I'm actually... Oh, okay. okay. I, I think it's actually where... That things are better when people are not getting obsessed with politics. I, I actually... Oh, this I, is our realist versus utopianist yeah. play here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, even, uh, you know, I deal with, like, ri- you know, editing a book by writer. I'm just like, dude, focus on fucking these edits, not not fucking sharing. But it matters so much, and I'll, I'll get to that. I have another point there I want to make, I'll get to in a moment. But, um... But everyone's paying attention, but it's turned into just such a black and white thing and not being able to see the other side as human beings. I yeah. like I there's a very strong part of me that kind of believes that Donald Trump's campaign that he never actually really wanted to be president and it was I agree with for I, I don't think he ever and it just went out of control. But I do also believe there is a fundamental part of him that does believe that he could make America great again. I agree and with that too, actually. I, I agree with both. I disagree, I disagree with all the ways that he wants to do that. Hillary Clinton, for as much as the criticisms I have against her, like, she has put up, like, if she just wanted, I, I do not buy into any of the ideas that she is just doing this just to make money with Wall Street and yeah. control the world, because if she wanted to, if, if, that her, misery. if that was her goal, she would become a business person, you yeah. know, like Donald Trump, because <laughs> that's much easier and no one fucking paying attention to you, yeah. that on a fundamental level, she legitimately believes that she can help <laughs> Make America great again. It's but it's it's a very core thing that these politicians are indeed people, and they you may disagree with them fiercely, but they, honest to God, believe that they are doing the things that can help out people in the way that they see as most beneficial. And the the lack of, lack of focus on that, like hurts me, and that's why I quit working in politics, and now politics has really gone pop culture, and it's just everyone is evil, everyone is a thief, and yes, humans yes. do do bad things, humans, 
like like there are things, but overwhelmingly are like these are people that are just people, and I. I it, I hate that we that. I, I actually appreciate that sentiment. That's a good point because I forget a lot about Donald Trump that he actually really does think. And you can even I remember seeing an interview of like '88 where he's on Oprah. It's, you can like Google it, like Oprah interview Donald, and it's like, it was interesting. Politics, right politics in the 80s, yes. Yeah, he's talking about trade. Like he really, you can tell what his actual things he really gives. He really does care about trade. And I think that's resonating with people in rural areas because they feel fucked by NAFTA and certain things like that. Fucked by NAFTA. And they were fucked by NAFTA. And they will probably be fucked by TPP. They will, you know, which he is against. He he is an isolationist. And, I mean, in some areas you could be be like, dude, this guy's not going to get us in a war and he's going to, like, help us in trade. He's on my side. He's not going to send my friend to fucking Iraq. You know, but he's also like he's also he's playing. I mean, he, he's also obsessed with ISIS. But you, you know, it, there's a lot going on. But I think Trump actually really cares. He really genuinely cares about trade, and he doesn't want to see America screwed over. Like that's I think the one issue that makes him want to fight, keep on fighting. I think he actually has a few issues he really cares about. I don't even know if he cares about the fucking wall, but I think it's a grander thing. He wants to protect America. I think that's his whole vision is to protect America. If I, like, take off my blinders, just look, okay, take, like, you're looking. How does this guy actually really think he can make America great? I think that's his, that's his plan is to protect America, to make sure it's always in the, in the, the right position, kind of handle it like a business. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what he's saying. I just disagree with it. I very strongly disagree with it. I think it's ridiculous. That's not. But but I hate that we that we have completely like lost this, like like, like lost that yeah. that concept, and that every Donald Trump uh, supporter is racist. That's and and I yeah. I hate that we are kind of like at that point, and. To combat, like, my final point I'm going to bring up, and this is because both, like, I can rant to this about you. Uh, I can rant about this to you because we're both, like, obsessed over internet shit. Is I, uh, I posted yesterday a thing on my Facebook feed about, uh, 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 about how this election has brought, uh, conspiracy theories into the mainstream, which we talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah, and, and someone brought up immediately the uh, Hillary Clinton emails. And I went through, you know, back and forth, which we kind of already talked about earlier, that it's like, no, there's nothing that's actually proved there. It's all just uh, conjecture. Yeah. And, like, if you act- if there's actually something to prove there, like, hell, I am uh, backing you trying to fucking load this up what I wrote because I'm going to read to you what I wrote uh, and it's for some reason our, in- our video stream is perfect but my internet stream is slow but um, but you know went back and forth and you know basically argued and I, you know I was trying to be uh, polite as I you know possibly yeah. could and then it, the conversation turned into something different which was about how like, you know, like I don't like this is how politics works. I like that this is how people are working behind the scene. And I was like, well, you know, this is kind of 
what it's always been like. If you don't, yeah, read some Bob Bob Woodward books. Which, by the way, for anyone uh, listening, I referenced him a couple times. Uh, now, Bob Woodward was one of the co. He became famous that he was a uh, writer for, I believe, the Washington Post. I could be wrong on that. Uh, is that who he was writing? And his and he became ultra famous that he was one of the co-authors of All the President's Men, which exposed the Watergate scandal and brought down Richard Nixon. Um, like he's a author that literally brought down a president. And weirdly, since then, he's basically been on the White House staff and has been just hanging out in the White House, writing books about everything that goes on behind the scenes in the White House, and everyone approves it. And the shit that he writes about is absolutely insane, and nobody pays attention to it for some reason. I I, I, I don't understand why. Um, But what Hillary Clinton's emails show is the stuff that Bob Woodward has been writing about for decades. And then also, like, you know, you have the Nixon tapes. There is something that is literally a president talking about how, like, we are going to undermine laws to bring down these groups of people. And so I was having people argue with me that, like, the Hillary Clinton emails were essentially the same things, which is just fundamentally uh, not true. But I get that. And, you know, I get that anger. I don't want to, like, talk completely down because, it's like, okay, we all have our moments of understanding that, you know, the system is human and all humans are fundamentally flawed. So uh, I finally got this loaded up here. And to those people, this is what I wrote. I, I had a couple people uh, argue with me, and I wrote this statement. Okay, if all this really upsets you so much, you should do something about it. Get involved at your local level and assist candidates or causes or organizations you support and you want to see get further. Don't just vote in the midterms, but find out who is getting ready to run right now and assist in their campaigns. And I don't mean Facebook posts, I mean volunteer at their office. This is the only way any real change can happen in our, in our current system. Structures have been organized for decades are how we have the current national candidates that we do. And no amount of voting in the primaries or once every four years is going to change that. And neither will means, Facebook, or blog posts. If you want serious change, you need to get involved. And, of course, I got no response after that. All the people arguing with me had nothing from that. I actually want to expand on that real quick for anyone listening right now. I feel that was actually too limited in what I said because I also am in very heav- heavily in favor of, like, if you don't want to be involved in the actual political process, get involved in protests. Get, like, like find out who are the organizations protesting um, protesting in favor of the causes you want to, you want to support. I don't want to take any of the problems. Get involved in any way. Get off the internet. Yes, that is. I think that is, 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 is the internet's not actually 
being good for actual activism. It's just becoming passive activism. Which means nothing. It means nothing. And it's becoming, it's becoming just like a fucking resentment group, I, I feel. I feel like I see it on different levels. I'll see it, you know, for tr- about Trump and how evil he is. And just people will bitch about it. And then people will bitch about how Hillary is. And then you see it with the fucking, you know... The, the, oh my, the political correctness people are, are ruining the world, and they all gather around. It's, it's, it's like becoming just a shitty bar scene. You're not even fucking drinking. You're just, you're on Facebook. <laughs> well, not like when I'm on Facebook, I'm drinking. So. <laughs> that, that's good. I mean, at least you're actually drinking. I, I mean, it's just like, it, it's, it's masturbation in its worst form in a lot of ways. It's, it's just self-righteousness, and... There's, you know, resentment, I, I'm like a believer, like, resentment is a terrible thing, just being angry without really doing anything about it. And that's, like, one of the worst, you know, you look at any religion, secular or whatever, it's like, they're really against resentment. Because it doesn't really change anything. It's just, you know, just holding on to fucking things you don't like, and you're bitching that, and you're finding other people who will help you feel good about your resentment. And it, it, it's sad. It's like, you know, it really is a waste of time and energy. You're not, you know, you actually, like, could be, you know, you actually did things. You actually got involved. You saw it wasn't for you. You saw, you know what, I think I'm going to actually find more fulfillment by getting involved yes. in, you know, which is the same deal for me. I was like, you know what, I want to I wanna tell stories. That, that's for me, for me. Like, that's, I'm a, I'm a writer. You, you edit, you write, like, you want to be involved in a, in a literary movement. Like, I think this is a way, too, for people to distract themselves from their own, the things they actually, I don't think they actually really care. That's the thing, I, I actually don't think. You know, I keep coming away with that same feeling as well. Think, is that for the people that get, like, the, like when I post my political stuff, like, once again, it's not my opinions of what I want, but what I think is happening, and the people that get the angriest, and, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, like I, I mentioned, I drink a lot when I'm on social media. I click on their profiles, and I know, like, so what have they been talking about recently? And it's like, yeah. and, and I get very much the impression that, like, this is something that they're attempting to distract themselves with. Yeah. So, and this, I, I feel this is a very bad and dangerous road for yeah. our political process to be going down. That our national politics yeah. is turning into entertainment. And and not even in a good way. It's 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 like a video. It's like playing a how do I say it? it, it I love video games though. Don't don't yeah. shit talk video games. No, I, no, I, I like video games for It's not the right term. I, I'm trying to think of the right term for this. It it's really I mean a video game you're actually doing at least. Like, this, I, I feel this is a, there's a disconnect that, yes, in many ways, our government does not affect us, yeah. but if it goes wrong, it goes really wrong, and it will affect all of us. As a, yeah. the, the, to go back, Trump talking about nukes, that means we all die. I mean, oxygen, yeah. yeah. And there's this disconnect, and it's just kind of like, you know, what's... What's the most entertaining thing in, you know, TV shows and movies? It's the disaster, everything going wrong. Yeah. And being, you know, pissed off 
that, yeah, the world is in a, the United States is not in an ideal place right now. Like, like for all of the foreign listeners, um, you know, on paper, our economy is doing good. But in reality, you know, on the streets, America, you know, like, we're kind of poor right now. Like, yeah, we're not, this is not us at our best. I mean, really, we're still recovering from, like, 2008. Basically, 2000. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our, like, yeah, when, since 2000, it's been, I mean, it was like bad and then it got worse and now it's like back to bad again. Yeah, okay, that's, that's how I would sum it up exactly. It's back to bad. We're not, not doing good and a lot of us have yeah. memories of times where we're a lot better and I feel like, especially uh, foreign people, think about the U.S. And it's like, no, the, the, the thing about us from the 90s, like, we're not as good right now. So I, I get all that anger. It's just, and the hopeful part of me is there is some potential that if there's that many people paying attention, there's that many people willing to be involved, that yes, memes will not change anything, but it can cause attention. And hopefully every thousand people sharing a meme causes somebody to actually fucking do shit. Yeah, I mean, there, there's... It goes, I, 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 I don't want to call out every single fucking person that's like, no, I'm political, I share this meme, I share this news story, but I don't do anything else. Like, no, fuck you. Like, yeah, I, I got a apologize. That's the majority of people. I think that's the majority of people. It is. You know, Crack.com uh, crack did a great video where I believe they summed it up perfectly, that um, if you only care about important issues every four years, you are a political poser, like Green Day. Exactly. You are Green Day. Green Day. Yeah, you actually are Green Day. I mean, if that's, that's a good point. You, fuck, you're, 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 <laughs> I think I'm trying to think of some like really shitty pop punk fans. I'm like thinking you're worse than Green Day, and, I, and that's the problem. I mean, they used to be valid. They used to be awesome. Then they turned into into literally political poser. That's the difference. I mean, you and you and I, we have we 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 have more. We we have more. We're we're you know we have our ups and downs. You know, in, in our life, but we we. We feel good purpose with what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're, we when shit when shit really matters. Also, I want to say like when shit. I talked about how I don't vote and that, but I don't mean I'm completely absent when shit really matters and shit yeah. really believe in happens. I'm there on the front line. Yeah. Um, myself, uh, myself, Karen Pierce, Kirsten Eileen, Kevin O'Donoghue, and Vince Kramer were all on the front lines at the Occupy Portland eviction in, uh, you know, here in Portland, Oregon, yes. downtown, we, all of us were on the front lines, literally uh, three feet in front of us were riot police in full riot gear, yeah. and this was a cause that everyone believed in. It was also, incidentally, two days before Bizarre Con, which freaked Rose out. Which, which year was this? Uh, this was uh, 2000 and... 13 or 14. Um, I think that's the first year I went to Bizarro Con. It was 2013. Yeah, I I, I got, um, I was posting uh, pictures from the front lines of the protest, and like, you know, Donahue and I were in <laughs> the, uh, Donahue and I were in the very front, and, uh, yeah, it was just 
about three feet with riot cops in full, you know, head-to-body gear holding the batons. And, and I know it's getting – oh, this was in 2011. Yeah, it's been that this. long ago. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, and that was when, yeah, Occupy was still around. Yeah. And, and Rose was uh, – Rose was later sending me texts over like, God damn it, my entire staff was at the front lines of a national protest two days before our convention. Yeah. So, but, but my Portland one was the only one to end peacefully, which is a whole side you know, For me, with politics, and I'm getting away from that, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, probably my most successful thing was being more mostly liberal policies as, you know, doing a crocodile, you know, which is basically just pointing out the ridiculousness of homophobia. I mean, I probably have been a very active social liberal artist as Mandy and even as myself. I mean, what's funny, though, is, like, Great White House is actually a very center-right book when all said and done. And Great White House, too, has been, like, a fucking communist ridiculous book. <laughs> but, um, you know... I don't know. I mean, I'm almost post politics. It's just, I, I just like to observe it. It's like, you know, like you said, it's, it's not, it's just something I enjoy, like sports. I mean, you've watched sports with me. I, I actually enjoy sports, and I just see it in the same light, but I actually, like, if this shit really matters, I get involved. You know, I, I, I you know, I'll actually write articles, you know, for, you know, gay marriage. Like, I, I, I get really passionate about social issues. That's probably where I stand get most involved, um, you know. Uh, well, I think that's what gets most people worked up. And, you know, like as I already talked about earlier, that's going to be something that's going to be very much on the forefront of our country coming up here. Like trans issues are going to be on in the national discussion within the next year. I, I mean, it's funny, though. I actually do think the majority of people are better off, like, <laughs> not looking at politics. I don't think they're really – it's weird. It's like, you know, it's like civic duties, civic studies. It's like they're not really handling it in the right ways. They're, they're, I go back and forth. I go back and forth so I much. I feel this. I really feel strongly. I would actually, like, be willing to even write, like, a little fucking, even if it's just a Kindle book of just, like, stop, so, even though it's so hypocritical, like, forget about politics. I think most people's lives would be better. Because it's weird. It's like this way to feel important that you're doing something, but you're not actually doing anything. I think a lot of people, because things are hard right now economically, it makes people feel temporarily good. Like, I'm doing something. I'm fighting the good fight. And I think that's really dangerous for people. I, You know, you and I, it's like, this is just... You know, we're, we're weirdos. It's fun for us. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yes, we are very much weirdos. We're weird. I, you... We're weirdos. Like, we find this... I, I got off. Oh, man, I, I loved it. I mean, it was, it's hard to get shitty things okay. said to you. And everyone is saying, like, they're so happy for this election cycle to end. I have to be honest. I am not. They're like, this is, like, my favorite... The, the way people are like, oh, man, I can hardly wait for the next Game of Thrones episode. I love Game of Thrones, but nothing compares to me, like, waking up. I woke up today. I go, like, I, I go to bed late at night, and I wake up late in the afternoon on West Coast time. So, basically, the whole day is already passed for most people. And I wake up, and now the Hillary Clinton campaign is being accused of occultic rituals. I'm like, fucking A, I did not yeah. see this plot twist coming. Like, holy yeah, I mean, this, shit. Like, this looks pretty, 
I don't know what it was. For whatever reason, this is bo- I think because it was like it's all back to the beginning, and it's like I think it's awesome. I, I was really awesome. that Mark Dice is like looked at as legitimate just because I have personal beef with him. Like he really like attacked me. My guy's like, Milo. My guy's Milo, and it, now he's on the national stage, and he personally attacked me as well. Yeah, which is funny because let's be quite frank and honest here. You and I are fucking nobodies. Yeah. Like, at the very best, we're D-minus list celebrities. Yeah, we're D-list fighters. we're yeah. having people on literal, the national stage targeting us. Like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Yeah. The, the, they, I, you yeah. Know, though if I can provoke Newt Gingrich into attacking me, like, oh, man, I could not be happier. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like... I I I felt dumb today. Like I was just like I'm I'm feeling done. I was glad to be on this podcast and just vent and talk about it. But I'm like, dude, I feel I feel it's pretty specifically dumb. why I wanted you because I I wanted to have this conversation that we could both just vent over the absurdity yeah. and also the unknown of what is about to happen in the future because this is not ending on Tuesday. No. No, and that's the other thing. Like, this is going to keep fucking going. And I don't know. I guess, like, I've seen just things more clearly, you know. And I I think it's sad, actually, for some people. I I really see, you know, just some people really getting caught up in a lot of nonsense, you know. Like, people that aren't, aren't that bad, but it's just bringing out the worst in them. And I don't know. I mean, it's just... I guess I'm 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 an optimist too. I think I just approach in a different way. I'm like I want people to like reach their best selves and be who they are, like become who you are. And I, I see politics actually as a way of that not happening for a lot of people. I think it's like a drug, you know. I, I that's how I kind of see it. It's like you know we we. I love smoking pot when I do it. You you love pot. I know oh, that. I've been smoking pot while we've been recording this. Like you you can see me. Everyone else has. Uh, like, I've been I've been hitting the pipe while we're like, talking. You he does, he, he's pretty outspoken out of smoking. You John Skip I actually think are pro- more productive because you smoke pot actually. I, 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 now with John Skip like the dude is actually productive by smoking pot, but for every John Skiff and Jeff, you know, Burke, like a hundred pot smokers who are just wasting their whole fucking lives not doing shit and just getting stoned all day. And that's, that's and I guess maybe that's a little bit of the conservative Burke in me. It's just like... I think they keep saying Burke in because I'm like, that's not me at all. Yeah, I know. I got to stop that. Yeah. So that's like the the... Unintended consequence, guy. It's like the, the the weird right that I sometimes swing to is like I'm seeing this actually hurt people's personal development. I'm seeing like some people I don't think can handle. Like they don't know what they're doing. It's like it's like some people with drinking. It, 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 <laughs> well, um, you know, maybe humanity has a weird uh, feature of repeating itself. Yeah, uh, we we have seen this a lot in culture, and when newspapers first came came on the scene, you know we had uh, there there was kind of like um, every city just had its like 
kind of realization, but yeah, go ahead. I, won't, I don't want to forget the, the boring uh, has like boring newspapers that just report the facts, and then it came out that political parties and interest groups started buying up uh, printing presses and right. printing newspapers in what was became called the era of yellow journalism, yeah. and which um, like every newspaper published was. Bias and like it's yes. but every city had like twenty newspapers and they were all biased in different ways. Yes. And you bought your newspaper based on the bias. That era got destroyed when the New York Times uh, came into print. They came into print specifically to be a counter to uh, the era of yellow to the era of yellow journalist yes. publishers, and that's where it's masthead all the news that's fit to print comes from is that they were the ones that was going to tell you the straight truth and, uh, and not have all the, the biases because the general U.S. public, even though they did keep consuming this stuff and did keep buying into it, were, were getting fed up with it. And the New York Times put them basically all out of business. And that's where we entered the era when people talk about, like, journalism used to be good – that's when that happened. It was the New York yeah. Times doing that. And then we also got the Washington Post. We got the uh, Wall Street Journal um, and LA Times, uh, numerous other publications that, and still to this day, I argue, do um, fantastic journalism. They do. They do real journalism. But now the internet has opened things all back up. And yeah. it's brought back the era of yellow journalism. That's exactly going on. Yellow journalism's been going on, I feel, online and unrivaled, and but it hasn't really meant anything. It's been going on for, ooh, probably like a decade. Yeah. But now this election cycle, it's actually it really impacted it. It it's really impacted it. So, uh, like, but what happened in the past was a somebody came out and did this dominant, basically, fuck you, we're right, and to control the whole thing. Like, how can that happen today? I, I don't, don't know. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it will happen. I think, um, I, I think actually, this is weird, but like, I, I think, I hope people get less, <laughs> I hope people get less involved in politics. <laughs> I, that's my hope. I hope people get less involved. Uh, this is what I feel. I feel so conflicted because I keep hoping that with access to information, people can become smarter because I'm a utopianist. And yeah. I believe that like, I because I used to be stupid. I used to believe things that were incorrect. I was, uh, I was raised in a household that my grandparents, uh, like, I, I was, I was estranged from my father. I lived with my single mom who lived with her parents, and she had a full-time job. And I was with my grandparents. And as wonderful people as they were, and I loved them dearly, but they had some, like, at times, honest to God, racist beliefs. Yeah. But I grew out of that, and I realized, like, oh, no, like, that is incorrect. Like, yeah. I've grown out of stuff, so I don't believe that people can't grow out of things. I, I, I really believe well, I think token... On the same token, when I try to argue with people online, and I'm just like a stupid fucking person, I've talked about this with J. David Osborne on his podcast, 
I'm a fucking stupid person that I will argue with basically anyone online. So, so to anyone listening, you want to pick a fight with me, I'll argue with you. <laughs> I don't know what. I've retired from that. I can't do that anymore. I just can't. But, when I, but I keep seeing that when I put forward, like, them saying, like, you know, blank happened. I'm like, no, that did not happen. Here's a legitimate news source with pictures, stats. They don't care. They, they don't care. And then I'm like, I, I don't want you voting. Here's, here's my thing about politics. I think, I think actually the big issue is the people that should be concerned about politics are not. And there are people with, like, healthy lives. They have their shit together. And they're like, they don't really care about politics. They're like, whatever. Oh, God. I agree with you so much. Yeah. They really, the people that actually should be involved, that, you know, have, are in a place in their lives where they actually could do some good, they have their shit together, they, like, I don't have time for politics. I, I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. None of those people are involved in politics, but, like, maybe the president's election, I, if that. I'm thinking, of the people, I'm thinking some of my friends, people you know is right now, yeah. that, uh, like, you know, they're married, living on the coast, have kids, do not care at all about politics. Yeah. And like, no, that's exactly who should be. You're the people who should be caring about politics. But you don't. And then you have the people who are, like, lost in their lives. I mean, looking for anything to blame. I, I really see a, a big group just looking to blame something so they can't deal with their own shit. Like, I think that's the psychologist in me. I just really see that. I see that with the PC guys. I, I like, you know, oh, they, they just, you know, maybe your book's just not that good. Like, they, you know what I mean? It's like, you, there's actually other reasons. There's no one keeping you down. But they're the people who are obsessing with something like people political. They're the people who are looking for a reason why they're not where they should be. And the people that are, like, content in their life, and you can be content in your life wherever you're at in your career or whatever, like, they're like, I, what do I care about politics? I'm content. So that's what's fucked up about all this. That's my real lesson of this is that the people who should actually, who really could contribute politically in a lot of ways, whether that be financially or just, like, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, are apathetic. And the people who, like, need to get their shit together are just focused on politics instead of, like, doing something with their lives. And that's the big thing I'm seeing, and it's really sad to me on a deeper level. I, I think, like, it's hurting us as a society as a whole because both sides should just switch, and I don't know if they ever would. Though. Okay, quick question. So what yeah. does that say about us? You, you and I? Yeah, 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 you and I. You and I are, are in the world. I don't know how I feel. That? <laughs> like, I feel that makes us even sadder. In some ways, yes. Yeah, okay. Like, yes. But I think it's it's just like, it's, a, it's something we find interesting. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we're, I think it's good that you have people that are observers of things. I think in our own weird sense, we're journalists at, in a weird way. We are speaking about things. We are pointing things out. Uh, I mean, we're artists first. I, I, you know, I, I think that's really what our, our main purpose is. Like, I, I am getting away from, like, writing about, I, I, I mean, I, my, my book about Great White House, it bombed. Like, that was the worst book I've ever <laughs> done. Like, the people, people don't want that, I think, in their fiction. I tried something, it didn't work, you know. Um, I, I think people 
want to just have fun in their fiction. And they, they, even when I think, oh, this will be so fun for me, it's not really fun. I think people are, are, are backwards when it comes to politics. Yeah, that's actually something that I've uh, been noticing that um, a lot of, in particular, genre fiction in previous decades used to be heavily tied to politics, yeah. and that yeah. is no longer really becoming the case that when you look at fantasy, science fiction, horror, bizarro, the stuff that has been the more successful in really the past 10 years, yeah, there's some exceptions, but it's moved much more so into, like, ignoring, like, as politics has infiltrated our lives more that's, and more. That's what I realized. I realized politics is now a part of our entertainment. That's the big thing. God, God it's, it's a new genre. It's a genre. No, I realize. I'm like, oh, I wrote, oh my God, I, 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 I was, I wrote. This is a click in my head till just right now, and like, holy fuck, this is fun. You have like Pinhead, Putin, like it was just a fun fucking book for me. This was like the most indulgent shit I've ever wrote. I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm working with a YA agent. Like I wanted to write something to fuck around with. But it's like nobody – that genre is already there. That audience is already satisfied with the with all these talking heads. And I'm like, I, I can't I'm, – I'm done. Like, even with a lot of the Mandy political stuff, I mean, Chuck Tingle's still doing it. But I, I think that's already – the ship's already sailed, the political erotica. I, I think it's, it's already – it's like it had its moment, but now people are going to their main source. And I think these people are actually entertainers. I think Paul Joseph Watson – Milo is a fuck. He's an entertainer. He's not a thief. He I don't think he gives a shit about ninety percent of the stuff he said. I the very fact that Milo is on the sphere, and unfortunately, there there are some bizarre writers paying attention to him. Fucking hurts my head so much. Yeah, I have a. And it's, they, he's he's Aaron Coulter. He's a new Aaron Coulter. He's a new Michael Moore. You know, like, yeah, and, like, right in yeah, that example. No, Michael Moore is just as biased. Like, Michael Moore is... He, he's worthless at this. He, yeah, he's worthless. Thanks. Good. I appreciate you saying that. Look, I mean, and Milo, he really... It's, he doesn't... It's just... It's provoking. It's like finding the little loopholes. It's finding, like, hey, you know, people are getting the little... You know, I, I can say, oh, yeah, it'll be... Like, you, you dealt with people who are, like, attacking your art. And the thing is, you and I, I think, have just enough confidence in what we're doing and who we are that, you know, if you say my book is this or that, I'm not really going to take it that much to heart. I'm really not. Well, but I think other people are like, oh, my God, you are attacking my art, which is my soul, and all this other nonsense. Well, when my worst, like, I, I like to talk about Cripple Wolf. That's easier to talk about uh, rather than something I published by Deadlight because I'm yeah. somebody else and yeah, no, 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 I, yeah. I don't want to speak for anybody else. No, I agree. I agree. But um, with Cripple Wolf, like, you know, when I got attacked for being, you know, like, ableist and, you know, you know, mocking people with physical disabilities, I, you know, I honestly got kind of, like, took that to heart. But yeah. it wasn't like I felt like I did anything wrong. It's like, oh, no, I see where someone can come come away yeah. from that. And it's like, I truly did not mean did not mean. I, I, I really, like, it really did not bother me. Yeah. Because I knew when I started. This is too. Like, I, I did a, I, I, will, I will say, <laughs> I will say I have also, though, gotten emails from uh, random people that says, 
they're they are in a wheelchair and they loved reading a book where the badass villain that killed everybody was in a wheelchair. So I'm like, okay, I got I like I got criticism to one side, I got praise from the other side. But yeah. really I never made it into like a social issue. So like for yeah. the people that are like, Oh my god, the PC police are coming after me, I was like why do you give them the time of day? Exactly. That helps promote that. That, that only, only helps promote not, them. When I hear that, I, I, I automatically, I'm like, you're not in reality. Because, I mean, I really, I mean, to actually have a book get banned and have money taken away from you, not because of, like, credit, like, that's, that's a fucked up feeling. That bothers me. Oh, oh, and this I can speak about publicly. Uh, we have had a, had a race, a racer had, had books get banned in Germany because of how swastikas on the cover. That, yeah. yes, it's in a satirical sense, but uh, that yeah, they have, cool. they, they yeah. have different free speech laws. Yeah. Um, we don't really promote that because yeah, obviously. It's, not, it's not advantageous, and this is not restricting our free, like, free speech. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, that's just, that, the thing is, I was, I made a risk, though, to fuck with this guy, and he came after me. I mean, that was the thing. When all said and done, I'm like, you know what? That was a dumb battle for me to fight. It was a good lesson, actually. I think an artist actually just learns what are my battles to fight. I'm like, you know, and then I learned I don't really want to start going as low fucking with, like, losers like Mark Dice. That was a good lesson for me. It was like, I'm all, I, it was like a sad thing, but I'm like, you know, I'm actually getting to their level by writing satirical things about them, you know, so it, it made me change, like, what I want to do as Manny DeSandra and, and myself. So, you know, there's always good lessons, but, yeah, I, I think this whole, you know, it, it, it's, there's just this whole thing to commiserate and bring people together on the things they think that's keeping them down when nothing's really keeping them down, you know. It's just, it might just be you need to be patient with your career. You have to do more work. Like, it's just... There is, and I guess maybe that's the conservatism is means I feel there's like this is a way to to evade personal responsibility at, at the core sense of it. So I don't know. No, I, I, I agree very much with that. In fact, uh, uh, David Osborne and I talked about a very similar thing on his podcast, and I don't know. The optimist to me kind of like feels like maybe that. This could be something that kicks off so people begin recognizing that. Because yeah. social media is still new to the human it is. It, it, interaction. And it's, it, it is fundamentally changing everything about how we interact. And yeah. as, like, it's, it, it's something that's brand new that none of us, no one really understands. And yet. nobody knows how to really interact with it and what is the protocol of how you act on it. And we're still figuring that out. And I, I still believe there's, like, it, it's more good than there is bad. Because I, I, we're, we're doing this uh, conversation. We're, like, we're having this conversation right now. You're, you're in, where are you at right now? I'm in Claremont, New Hampshire. Claremont, New Hampshire. I'm in Portland, Port Oregon. We're looking at each other right now, yeah. recording this so that people can hear yeah. from all over the world. Like, this is amazing. This is wonderful. This is what the future should be. Exactly. I mean, I think so, like the good outweighs the bad. The good absolutely outweighs the bad. But I, don't, I, but I don't see where the good's going to come from right now. But I know it's going to happen. At least that's what I believe. That's I, what I, I, 
I believe in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, you're a Star Trekian, you know. I, I'm a. I'm I call it Roddenberryism. What's that? I call it Roddenberryism. I've never heard that. Fuck, fuck capitalism. Fuck communism. I believe in Roddenberryism. <laughs> Gene Roddenberry was the creator yeah. of Star Trek. It just, it just hit me. I was like, oh, okay. And then I got, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's how hardcore of a nerd I am. I got a Star Trek yeah. tattoo on my chest over you're my heart. Hardcore. I'm like just like, you're a hardcore nerd. I'm like, I'm like a half-breed. I'm yeah. a half-breed. I've made peace with that. I was but, like a... But I believe in the... In, I, I don't know where it's going to come from, and this election cycle is, it, it feels like a national temper tantrum. And, it is. And, and I understand it, and I understand yeah. why everyone's yeah. so angry. And, but I'm like, I want to see the good that comes out of this, and I just don't know where it's going to come from. It's going to be a while. That's what I see. And I think it always, pendulums always swing. There will yeah. be some, yeah. you know, I mean, but, but, so I, I don't give a shit. I think Barack Obama being elected was a good thing. I don't care, even though I even though I probably don't agree with him on all the issues. Like, I think it was a good thing. I think it was good for this country in a lot of ways. Not just because of his race. I just think in general, it was just a, it, it was a good moment for a change. You know, he went from, like, a crazy person like Bush to, like, this guy is, like, very, he actually, Obama was very Spock-like to me in a lot of ways, and that's what I liked about him. Oh, well, I, I have to admit that I would love to hang out with Obama also because he is a valid Star Trek fan. Yeah. When Nimoy died, he issued a White House statement, and like in addition to also NASA did as well over yeah, memorializing him. I think he saw some of himself. He's a very logical guy. He understood. is also a Spider-Man comic book collector. Yeah. He's 100% true. Cool dude. Spider-Man comic book. He actually elected a pretty cool dude when all said and done. Um, you know, he's not a scumbag. He can say shit about Bill Clinton. What's that? Well, here, and here's where I'm also weird. Like, I think Obama is kind of like a cool dude, but I also kind of think, uh, George W. Bush is kind of a cool dude. I just disagree. Yeah, yeah. Just disagree with their political philosophies. Yeah. And like, I think there's a lot of interesting um, stuff that like I would like to sit down with like uh, G.W. and like talk with him about. And like after he left his being president, he knew about how divisive he was, so he stayed out of politics a hundred percent since, and he's just like, nope, nope, I'm out, and I'm like, okay, cool, that's, as much as I disagree with you, that's respectful to yeah. Yeah. and what he does is he has a ranch that he just clears brush out of, yeah. and he takes care of his horses, and he paints pictures of, like, his horses, his dogs, and himself naked in the naked. shower. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. And he's yeah. kind of a crappy artist, but he's he does it. doing it. Yeah, he's doing and, his own thing. And, like, and this is what a former president is doing. I'm like, I can respect yeah. that. Yeah. But I disagree intensely with his policy. Yeah, policy. That's also how I feel with Obama. Yeah. And I feel it's going to be the same way with Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. And it's just, and actually from... Actually, the email scandals is, like, people are like, this is so damning. My response is, like, no, I kind of like these people more yeah. uh, on this, like, getting this insider information because this is, like, this is what human beings are like. 
I'm an oh, they're assholes. I'm an asshole. Yeah, I, I can relate to that more. Um, so, but it's just gonna be the same thing, and I feel it's people that really believe that they can make the world better. Um, just as long as it's not fucking Trump and talking about using nukes. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, I just it's just too much of a risk. I mean, that's the thing. You know, that's uh, the irony is it's like the conservative position is actually to vote for Hillary. It's a weird year. I mean, it's the conservative thing to do, and the true yeah is actually to vote for Hillary. She actually does represent a lot of conservative policies. Um, yeah, Trump is more big government than I think than Hillary. I mean, it's like it makes me, he, he's saying he's going to pay for he's going to have taxes, but he's also going to pay for as like he 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 will make things a lot worse. But just just about I believe it was two or three days ago he pledged that he was going to try to support. A, um, oh, oh God, I, I forget what exactly it's called, but it's this a stupid thing of trying to make an argument to repeal gay marriage based yeah. on the concept that violates the First Amendment, which gives yeah. you freedom to religion. And yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's like, yeah. oh, that's big government. That's that that is legitimate he, government. He's, 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 he's like he's actually very Bush in a lot of ways to me. He he. he in policy-wise, even though Bush is more free market, I guess you would say. I mean, it's a weird time. It's a weird – this is this is a strange election. I mean, that's not just – not just of the people. I mean, the actual policies. I mean, in some areas, Clinton's oh – God, the, um, just at the uh, conventions themselves, the entire theme of the Democratic convention was patriotism, which yeah. was, like, the Democrats oh. successfully – co-opted the patriotism theme, which yeah. is something that the Republicans have held strong on to. Yeah. So it's a, like a marketing principle-wise for really decades. I, I mean, I, I would say, you know, the future of the Republican Party... We have the Republicans arguing against a gold star family. Yeah. Like, like how absurd yeah. is that? I, if I was, if I was uh, a staffer, I would make sure... Uh, I, I I would I would go back to Rubio. <laughs> oh God, I would love so much to be able to talk to just like the guy that makes like the copies in like a headquarters, like the person that's just running around and gets to hear all the little bits and pieces. That's just, that's my like, prediction for this election season. It has to be for the people working in politics, just being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, do I have a job ever again? I think. And I, I guess that goes back to my more realist thing is I think people have gotten too involved in politics. And I think that's the actual problem. I, I, I mean, there's a study that actually things are better. I, I'd have to look it up, but it's a legit study that a guy even wrote a book about it. I, I can't think of the name right now, but um, that government is actually, things are actually better when people are less involved. That the more people are involved, that actually is a sign that things are really on a bad course. It's a strange thing, but I, I personally there believe... There is an analogy that pure democracy is three wolves and a sheep arguing what's... Uh, voting on what's for dinner. And yeah, that is kind of true. Like, if we did just have pure democracy, we would not have what happened... Um, black people having the ability to vote. If we had pure democracy, we would not have national 
gay marriage Absolutely. and and, yeah. and rights of homosexuals. So, like, there is validity that at times the majority rule is not a good thing because it does suppress the minority. Um, the irony of the majority. The, uh, what's what's his name wrote that? Uh, I can't think of the, the philosopher's name, but yeah. But people do come around in time, and I keep hoping, yeah. I keep hoping and arguing for Star Trek, and I'm like, no, we can do this. I, we I can't be. I am going to disappoint you. I don't see that happening for a long, 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 not in our lifetime, not in our lifetime. You know, we could see in our lifetime that, like, one of the big bases that's made it so easy for nations to have war with each other is having the populace have zero communication with each other. And now when via Twitter, via Facebook, via YouTube, like when R- Russia was invading... Um, it's the arise of... Um, of um, I'm sorry, God, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm spacing right now, but middle of talking, please forgive me. When did Russia invade, uh, it was um, the Ukraine. Ukraine. The Ukraine. I have a YouTube uh, uh, YouTube remix artist I'm a huge fan of. That he's the guy that remixes all of the new metal songs into ska and reggae. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. he's fucking amazing. He though was located according to his YouTube profile in the dead center of where all the warfare is happening, and he has gone quiet since all the warfare is happening. Yeah. That I feel that, like, w- like warfare used to just be a thing of, like, no, we're going to bomb, we're going to shoot these pe- abstract people that we don't have interactions with at all. And now I'm like, no, that's, you know what? Where, that's where my YouTube I, remix, Scott Re- yeah. Reggae Remix artist. I, I think you're on the right bombing. Bomb I him. think this is going to be, I think, unfortunately... For us, we're, we're probably living in the growing pain stage of a global world through the Internet. I think we're actually going, at least it might, it might end soon enough, but I think for the next 20 to 100 years, we're going to have growing pains. But I do, you know what? I could actually believe in time Maybe in a thousand, two thousand years of uh, a better. Uh, Utopianists. I kind of fully believe that we could see, like, what I see is the two most likely scenarios is we're going to see either world peace within our lifetime or we're going to see World War Three. And that this idea of us all being interconnected is going to go in one of two different directions. One yeah. leading to us all, like, realizing, like, yes, we're all just human beings. We all like the same shit. We're yeah. all, we're, there's really no differences. Or it's going, like, all that interconnectedness is going to h- highlight our differences. I mean, that, it's funny. I, 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 I personally focus on international relations with my, you know, study in politics. And um, I think... If you had to, I don't know, I guess I would lean more toward more wars. I don't think there will be a big war. I think there will still be proxy wars of different powers for different resources. I think realism is going to rule the 21st century, but I believe, you know, we'll never know. Um, well, there's that. already many um, 
uh, political philosophers arguing that we are already in the middle of World War Three. The yeah. difference is just that warfare fundamentally looks different than it ever has in the past, where you have non-nation states operating on yeah. a nation state that, level, um, which is, for, for example, ISIS, like, and when you just we, before there's that. been attacks all over Europe, there's been attacks it's, all over the United States, the idea of, like, radicalizing fundamentally mentally mentally unstable people to commit acts of warfare, this is... I think you're going to see this at different levels. I think, like, we actually are moving toward a more utopian, fairer society. Yeah. And and I, ironically, though, I think people are going to feel threatened by that. And they're going to fight it. And I think they're... And well, whenever people, well, that's the thing of like, there's there's been a thing that's existed for decades over the one world government. Yeah. And um, my kind of gut reaction is like, well, one world isn't that a good thing? Like, yeah, uh, can't we all help each other? I, I'm not, I, you know, now, and you see the the alt right movement is like they're like they hashtag globalists. Yeah. Go oh, go look up a funny uh, a video. Look up a uh, base base Alaska. Oh, like, I'm familiar with this. Yeah, look up Bates, Alaska, and he's, like, appealing to all these, like, 20-somethings. Like, he's, he's like, a fucking alt-right superstar. His name is Bates, Alaska. He, like, demands vines and shit and YouTube video, and he has, like, a, he made a song of, like, <laughs> it's, like, build a wall, it's just got 10 feet higher. Like, it's a fucking catchy song about voting for Trump. And he has, like, all these, like, hashtags in his video, and, and it's, like, and it has, like, hashtag globalists, like, in-your-face globalists. Like, there's this whole war against the globalists now. So there's people really fighting with Brexit. God, I, I, it pissed me off because this all came, like, the first time it got on the global stage and people started became, paying attention to it was Gamergate. And everyone told me I was over-fucking-reacting over Gamergate and how focused. And I was 100% fucking right, because all those powers went to, like, the the alt-right, went to this this revival of white nationalism, went to Donald fucking Trump. And I fuck. it was a way that conservatives... Conservatives were fucking dying amongst young people. The GW, yeah. like that whole evangelical trend was a losing cause amongst young yeah, people. And Gamergate was the first foothold in over how cons- conservative Gamer- and conservatives get a foothold into young people where they were in danger of losing them completely. And I'm just like, fuck, now this is like for the rest. I- how I feel, I'm like, fuck, this is going to be a conservatism I'm going to be dealing with probably for the rest of my lifetime. It is. And the thing is, it's like, the, the problem with Gamergate, and, and this is just always a fascinating issue to me, is it gives, it, it gave a lot of white male men a purpose that I think they're really lacking in their lives. I, I think, think on a deeper 
Well, uh, like, no, just as I said, like, I can relate to Donald Trump others. I can relate to exactly that because yeah. I felt that lack of purpose living in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, yeah. and there was no hope for a purpose. Like, I, like I, I was far enough to know that I was doomed if I stayed there. Yeah. And I, I was fortunate to be able to, haha, fortunate to sell all of my possessions to fund a move to a major city, but, like, that's not even, like, a fucking good thing. So that means, like, you know, a lot of people are fucking stuck. And there's sacrifices is what you're doing. We don't make that much, you know, I live now in fucking Claremont, New Hampshire. I had to leave New York. Like, I, I have, you know what I mean? It's like, and... and I love, no, I love the lifestyle of what people associate with, like, independent punk bands as a yeah. professional writer. Like, yeah. I know, I, like, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a full-time writer. That doesn't mean, like, for some reason in our culture, people think that means you're wealthy. And it's like, no, no. No, you're making probably minimum wage when all of a sudden. No, less than nothing. I've yeah. done the math. I've done the math. I make way more money working at McDonald's than I would do, do than what I make doing what I yeah. do. But yeah. it's just because I'm a crazy person that I choose to but do that. But you know what? You now have a sense of at least purpose in something you feel good about. Exactly. No, yes, yes, you're 100% correct. But that's I, what I, I feel. Like there is I feel that, you know. The gamer gate, as you said, like, allow. Like, I'm fighting the good fight. There's this sense, and especially in men, it's, I don't know if it's biological or something, but I've noticed this psychologically. And I even made this, like, you know, I actually wanted to support Gamergate at the beginning because on well, fundamental level, on the, yeah. on the fundamental level, I feel that they are like what it first started as is what they said in press releases because all of this was not true in in the end, but basically targeting uh, corporate um, corporate money in video game journalism, which I feel is very important because uh, video games, amongst all entertainment, make more money than anything else, period. And I feel that we are very fortunate as human beings to be able to witness a birth of a new art art form. It is an art form. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan, but it's an art form. Oh, yeah. I, I, I am a huge fan. I know you are, yeah. And so I love watching video games become a valid art form. And this only happens a couple times in human history. Like, you can count on both your hands and not take up all your fingers the times that this has happened in human history to actually watch a new artistic medium. And there is a huge fucking problem with uh, the nature of video games over corporate of control and yeah. funding of reviews and funding of press c- uh, coverage. So, like, I immediately, when I heard about Gamer Game, like, fuck, I want to be in with these people. And then it took me about, uh, ooh, five minutes and going through two pages of Google searches to find out what this is all about, to find out that there's just a thing attacking women. And, and I was about to say that hasn't changed, but it has changed because it's now extended into attacking um, people of Islamic heritage, which I'm against all religions. Yeah. And I don't think there should be any fucking laws. And yeah. I, I just disagree with the concept of religion, but I ain't going to stop you from doing it. Doing, attacking people of 
uh, you know, like poor black people, which yeah. weirdly, if you go on to Kotoko in Action, which is a big Gamergate board on uh, Reddit. No, I, I, I had a guy, Black Lives Matter. I knew him through Twitter, and he was like a writer, and he lived in New Hampshire area, ironically. But, I, you know, we talked and stuff, and I went on like a Twitter hiatus. I went through like I went through a period where I just like gave up social. It was just a dumb thing on a side note. Don't do that. But I gave it up for a little, and I came back, and that's just when Gamergate got started. And I'm like, this guy, he was a liberal. He was a hardcore. It was funny. He was a hardcore liberal, and he, he was like into writing. He's a political liberal and into writing, and then uh, it's such a lot of liberal people in because of the concept of free speech, which is exactly. I, I immediately wanted to identify with him. Yes. But as soon as I looked into it, I was like, no, these people are like, no, no, this is this is a weak conservative thing. I am a person to the alt right. I am a person who thinks almost all movements, unless they are for freeing somebody else's, like I am basically against most movements, unless it's for like freeing. Another group that doesn't have, like, like obviously, like, I'm a straight guy trying to help the gay community. That, I think that if you're trying to help another group out, it's not a bad movement. This is my thing. But most movements are bad. <laughs> that's, that's my honest opinion. If you're trying to just, about your own interests, and it's something really trivial, usually the group is really fucking dumb. Really, these movements are really, especially hashtag movements I'm seeing are really bad. And it's sad. I just see, like, guys, like, it reminded me of, like, Fight Club. I was like, the the whole shit of Fight Club about... Well, well to, to build off of your thing, um, one of my biggest political influences on my entire life was the punk band Crass. And yeah. one of the most anarchist bands to have ever existed. And in the one song Punk has said, they have the lyrics, movements are systems and systems kill. Yes, and I would, I ask you a hundred percent that like that the blind, like paying attention to a mood, and all all you're doing is holding the party line, exactly. and it's against the individual. These whole things are against, and and Milo's getting rich off all these kids. He doesn't give. I mean, that's the thing. These guys are getting rich and famous off like, you know. Did you see the? Uh, the stories that there is um, a general casting call went out to the television and film industry about a new conservative-focused news network that is going to be starting after the elections. That nobody it, knows. Exactly. That's the thing. And that's on TV. Like, like this is all entertainment in a business. That's the thing. I, that's what I saw through it. We it's just. We thought though Fox was bad. Fox is now being persecuted for not being conservative enough, and this so, is going to happen. Like this is only going to continue to go. It's only going to get worse, and I don't know what's going to happen to the right wing. I think it's really sad. I think I don't. I mean, it, it worries me because it's like it's you really do the elections. So they're going to keep losing elections, and they're going to keep getting more and more incensed and go more and more radical, which will only lose them more and more votes. I, it's funny, I actually had a, because it, it's a, it's sometimes book ideas come to me as big fears. I don't know if I'd ever even write this. But this is like my biggest fear right now of some kind of cyber civil war. That's my biggest fear right now is actually cyber. Oh, I love this idea. Tell me more. Just that, 
these this group eventually these like groups that are I mean I just see it they they spend their whole day on Twitter and stuff attacking and it's like if these guys learned how to hack and do certain things. They could really cause some damage. Well, we've already seen that happen. It was just yeah. uh, about two weeks ago, there was a major was a uh, attack. attack that took down um, uh, Netflix, it took down uh, Xbox Live, it took down... Um, I actually slept through the whole attack, so I don't actually know. It was yeah. East Coast, and it was weird. Like, Twitter just stopped working. Like it was weird. I just checked my phone and I try to do a tweet here and there. But I do know. I do know. For, I do know for a fact um, from some internal communications in um, Racerhead Press, where I work for, that some of during those hours as the attack was happening, some of our sites and some of the uh, 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 some of the websites that we use to send information back and forth to each other went down. So yeah. I, I may have been asleep for it, but yes, it did directly affect even Eraserhead yeah. Press. I, I, I'm really concerned. I mean, I, I think the big my biggest fears were, and I actually did suffer through a, an actual terrorist attack uh, in London when I was doing international relations. I did a study abroad program in London. I overslept. I think I told you about that. The terrorist attack there. Wait, the bombing on the train? The bomb. Yeah, I was supposed to be on that train. I overslept. Yes, you did tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, please, please um, tell the story again for everyone listening. I was in the I, I, I mean, it's been so long. It's like 2007. 2006. I mean, it, it, I, it, I think it was 2000. Here, tell your story and I'll look up the. Uh, the I, yeah, I was, uh, I was supposed to go. I was in a study abroad program. I was supposed to go to Madame Tussauds. And I even set out a time, and I overslept. What's that, 75? It, it was 2005. 2005, yeah, 2005. July 7th, 2005. Yeah. And I fucking, I just, I over, I was supposed to be on, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Matt's. I want to get there early. And I just, I just fucking overslept. Like, I set my alarm, I, and I just, I, I turned it off, and I'm like, I'm sleeping. And then, like, not, like, you know, then the fucking bomb. I, I felt my room shake. I, I mean, I was being lazy fucking saved my fucking life. Like, not getting up and wanting to do shit. Um, but that's always impacted me. I've always, the terrorism has always now been a part of my life. And I do see, not just in the Middle East, but I'm seeing a trend, and I saw it with these, a lot of these guys with the shoe screens. My biggest fear, really, is going to be different types of terrorism, whether even that be cyber terrorism. Uh, I, I, I agree with you 100%. That is actually the thing that, like, concerns me the most. And, um, in fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at the HBLFcast uh, film convention, a uh, film festival, and I was on a panel about uh, cult psychology, about the idea of, like, how to have, like, an end-of-the-world times cult as the way yeah. Lovecraft depicted how that exists in the real world. And one of my arguments being on that panel was that we are already seeing it right now, that we have ISIS. And, the way, and I already mentioned they have this um, extremely effective, and that's the fucked up part about it, is extremely effective strategy of mobilizing mentally disabled, um, not, not disabled, mentally disturbed people to uh, commit random acts of yeah. one-off violence. And, and that's there's funny. almost no way to defend against that. Yeah. And 
And that is obviously making, like, like that fucking scares me. There was a person uh, that San Bernardino, San Bernardino attacks, which we'll never know if that was just an act of workplace violence or an, or an yeah. act of uh, Islamic terrorism. But, like, I knew one of the people that was killed in that attack, that they were someone that would travel every year to Portland to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. And, you know, now they're they are no longer there. And it was just somebody working in a fucking Starbucks in a convention building, and they got hit by a bullet. And this is going to keep keep happening. Like, these mass shootings, it's weird how it's happening in Western countries that they've figured out a way to do mass killings that does not involve warfare. And I also feel that none of our presidential candidates have any way of addressing that at all. I, I, I've seen, and, and maybe this is just the cautious part of me, but I'm seeing, as somebody who, you know, will check social media throughout the day, I'm seeing people spending their whole day on social media. They're not working. They don't They don't really have an option. They feel pretty hopeless. Like, that, that's where a lot of terrorism starts. When you have... That's how it's been proven that, like, um, terrorist attacks in Europe and the United States, numerous ones of them have just been have been proven that they had Facebook and Twitter. And eventually, and now they're learning, like, they're now attacking people, just, like, which is, I don't really care. Like, I've been attacked, like, they'll go and attack people who they disagree with. But if they can actually, now a lot of these people I think are, they're not going to do anything physically, but if they can actually learn how to attack people through the computer, and whether that be through fucking hacking and one phone oh, or an interesting perspective. I see where you're going, yeah. That's going to be a huge issue, because you can actually, I mean, it's like, this is, you, this, I, I just saw it. Like, I saw, I got attacked by all these people, and they swarmed on me. And if three of those people decide to learn hacking and to, to cause more damage, you, there could be a lot of cyber warfare going on. I think, and I, I mean, my idea of the book was like a, an actual civil cyber warfare of, like, conservatives and liberals. Well, we have now, like, a major controversy from this election is Hillary Clinton's emails. Yeah. Which we already talked about earlier, about how both of us are just, like, but people Sorry, see white, they see it as a good thing that they have three emails. They see them as heroes. So we're probably going to see that then for every candidate in the future. Yeah. Is that, like, in this election, it's worth noting that I feel everyone keeps forgetting is that we're only reading, like, okay, we're getting this immense, all the dirty details perspective of behind the scenes of Clinton's campaign, but we're not seeing anybody else's campaigns. Yeah. Even Bernie Sanders himself has said that if if somebody hacked my campaign's emails, it would look exactly the same as Clinton's. Like yeah. this is this is just what politics looks like. Yeah. Like sorry to anyone listening, it's true. And but it's going to be every election now in the future. We're going to see all this. eventually going to be a liberal group that I think will eventually do this. No, there, there used to be a, a like a sub industry, like a sub genre of nonfiction writers who would write books about the behind the scenes of campaigns and politics. You know, um, um. Uh, uh, Bob, uh, oh, fuck, why am I afraid to say right? Uh, the guy, um, uh, co-writer of 
All the President's Men, who I was talking about earlier. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bob. I can't think of his last name. Bob Woodward. Bob oh, Woodward. Oh. Um, uh, like, somebody like him probably won't exist in the future because yeah. all that information is now just public yeah. knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. We're in, a, we're in a time where, like, things can go really well or they can just keep getting worse. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do worry. I worry about that that cyber attack really, really worried me. That's, that's the thing I fear about. That's what you happen to get, and that's also the thing that, like, I, I do feel that people did not take that seriously enough because, yes, it was a minor thing in the grand scheme of things, but what it shows um, that people yeah. are capable of, that that's going to be happening again and well, again. Our economy and lives, a lot, a lot of people now are working with a laptop gives you so much power to do, you, you, can, you're, you can work from your home now. I mean, it's very, you can do a lot of things. And if you disrupt an actual, you know, you, that's, the, you can tense the economy. You can do a lot of, you can really disrupt things. And that's, that's scary to me. You know, that's, that's really, that's the thing I'm concerned about now. I'm not really concerned about, you know, even, I'm not, I'm not, I'm concerned, I'm not even concerned about, they've always been there. Crazy race just people have been there. I'm concerned what can they do if they know how to use a fucking computer in the right way and you know how to actually disrupt shit and they have nothing to lose? I mean, our, we're so tied to our internet life and our businesses that that would be the way to attack us. That's our weak spot right now. And, uh, I mean, Rasta is starting to do that. So it's, I don't know, man. That's, that's my real major, if I had something to be, that's my concern. And I feel that's actually the big negative takeaway from the Clinton email scandals is yeah. that our federal government is so insecure and so yeah. improperly does internet communication. Like, I do not think I do not think there's anything jail worthy of Clinton because the Bush, yeah. the Bush administration did the exact same thing. So even Schiff have admitted to it. Yeah. Colin Powell has said that, like, no, the way that you ran your email is the way that I ran my email. Yeah. And that, but the fact that it's all in public is actually kind of the grander, bigger picture thing here of, like, oh, shit, we are that vulnerable. On and a side note, um, a really good book I, I really would like to recommend to you, and it's a lot of the yeah. listeners, is um, it's sort of is, is uh, The Circle by one of my favorite writers, David Edgars. He's just a great writer. I know David Eckers, but, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not familiar with the circle. The circle was basically um, it's 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 it was a political book about being political. It it talks about how a totalitarian society can emerge by by openness, actually, by being able to see everything, by having it's a basically imagine if Google, Twitter, and Facebook joined forces and ran basically the internet, you know and had all control of the Internet. And it's interesting that they cr- try to create this perfect society. It, it's, just, it's a fascinating book. I don't know. It's been a while since I've read it, but I've been thinking about it more and more lately. I think there's going to be a movie coming out about it. But I, I may be utopianist, but I'm going to get much more dystopian here, that we all like, like, kind of see this happen. Like, it's, yeah. It sounds like a Black Mirror. like Yeah, it's four Black Mirror. I love. I love Black Mirror. 
before it, though, it was kind of like, I think, a seed of, and maybe even an influence on some of these, of the last season of Black Mirror. I mean, it's like, we're creating this perfect society, like, it really can be, but it's also like, what are the trade-offs? Like, everybody knows your shit now. Well, one of the weird things that happened this election cycle was the, was Ken Bone. Was what? Ken Bone. Oh, Ken Buffett, yes. Ken yeah, Bone. yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, the average guy, you know, yeah. kind of hefty person wearing uh, his red sweater yeah, and I had a mustache. And he learned about him. And I, I have to be honest, when I first, I, I was watching, um, no, I was at a convention and I was having to watch the debates uh, on my cell phone with my headphones and in between people buying books. And I saw him on the camera and I'm like, eh, you look like a cool dude. And I kind of, I get why I like the internet lives yeah, on through him. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing you. You can tell, we can tell you're doing you. We respect that. But then it turned also into this uh, thing where you outed about like, he did a Reddit AMA, yeah. but he did it under his own account, which then linked to his, like, stuff that he had talked about Entire that was kind of controversial, which basically boiled down to that um, he likes niche porn, in which case, good for you, dude, whatever, yeah, and that he gave positive comments anonymously to people dealing with trans issues, like, quite frankly, it's like, 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 that's not different than any other human being. I think the only thing people, he, he, he said what's his name was in the, and I don't have, even though I totally disagree, he said, um, fuck, in the, the, uh, the thing that happened in Florida, um, Sanford, when he shot the kid. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. He did have a controversial comment on that, but, you know. It's an opinion. I, I also though, come from the perspective of, like, hell, if you go through everything that I have ever said online, you're I, I think the fuck. same fucking thing. Yeah. And for somebody, like, asking the question at a uh, debate, and the question he did ask, have to ask, dealt with energy usage, was a valid question. Yeah. And, like, have his past be dug through in such a way. It and, like, the point. and, like, right. oh, you, we found one thing that is remotely controversial and even on a rational perspective stands like, oh, maybe that was just a gut reaction. That changed his opinion later. We that no, we, we caught one comment at one point in time yeah. and you and I could be just as easily like... And, and that's the world we're going towards. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's like a Black Mirror episode to me. Yeah, we Black Mirror is really reflecting what's what our fears are. I think that's a good show like that. A good, whether it be bizarro horror, or sci-fi, Twilight Zone. Really, I think it just reflects our deep. Let's compare it to the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I, I like. I, I want to say it's fundamentally horror, but it's only horror in the sense that it's science fiction and real-world social commentary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like doing the worst things to ourselves. Yeah. And like, like the way, like the Ken Bone thing, it's just as a minor story from this political cycle. But I do find it very alarming over how like easily it was for just a private citizen to be made so public over, over essentially, uh, over essentially nothing. And yeah. is 
is that what the future holds? Is that it? Like it? it I, I think we just go ahead. I think we all have to have a mindset that bad shit can happen. We we might have to be prepared for it, and we have to you know be resilient and and not let it ruin our lives and and things like that. I mean. Things are really great. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in this world. You know, I think you just have to, you know, um, I, I think people's, like, emotional security of themselves is going to be really important. Because um, I, I think you're going to be easy, you're going to be easily able to be judged and attacked. And I think you're going to have to really have a mindset of not caring so much what strangers think about you. Like, I... I I think we're going to have to adapt the mentality and uh, evolve. Oh, uh, oh, man, we're moving to such bigger – I want to talk to you about the elections, and we're moving to such bigger things. Yeah, I know. And, I, I, um, I, yeah, this is something that's been on my mind over – you know, I, I get what you're saying, and that, like, okay, like, maybe we just have to, like, accept the idea that we're going to be attacked on the internet, and there's people I know that are around, like, uh, the mid-20s age that are online that I interact with, and yeah. they very much have a perspective of, like, oh, yeah, assholes are going to exist. You just got to yeah. ignore them, not the unfortunate facts. But I have to admit, like, I worry about, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm fucking saying this, but I am. Well, when somebody think it's the children... But like, I think about, like, being in middle school years, early high school years, and I think about, like, I, I was a really insecure, awkward kid. I had family problems, and, like, I, I had some you know, like, mental problems, and so, you know, like, like yeah. trying to get, like, shit on track, and, like, I know I, I was a very great creative person, but I only had, like, I only made shit for myself, but if the internet was accessible, I would have, like, taken the picture and put, like, the, the, the dumb little creative shit I did online, and to have, like, that negative reaction, like, I don't know what that effect would have been on me, yeah. like, uh, I, I got a lot of negative shit, because I grew up in a very evangelical setting, and to me, the internet, when I got on it, it, it was much less prolific than it is right now, so I was able to only be in perspectives of people that, like, encouraged and were into the same type of interest, and I'm sure you probably have a very... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I would have actually gotten... I was in a, I mean, unfortunately, in Florida, I had nobody really... I actually wrote you know, my first, my second book was actually a Bizarro book. You know, I wrote... Florida is full... I, mean, I know Florida. Florida is full of wasteland areas. Yeah, so I mean, and it's the same thing as Pennsylvania. There's there's hot pockets of cool areas, and then it's just wasteland, you know, everything it, in between. You hit, a, you hit an important... The problem was, I... I the, the thing is, if you're... It's just, you know, Dallas... Being a writer is just... I realized, no matter how much... Because I, I came from an ethnic family, so it's like... You know, you don't do things like that. You do a safe path, like a Jewish and Italian family. You just don't, you don't be an artist or work in a, a, a business that makes very little money. 
It's you don't, that was that. the same thing from my, from my yeah, perspective. You don't, yeah, you just yeah. don't do that. That's stupid. So I never really thought of it. I wasn't encouraged. And I didn't have a place where it could be. And, and I did get shot down on the Internet. I remember, you know, and it was hard. And, and it, it basically, I, I'm where I want to be, but I probably got there later than I could have. You know, I'm a backwards area that, in fact, I did not get in that account, like social media accounts, until I started working with Eraserhead, and Rose yeah. told me, like, dude, you have to have social, you got to be on social media. Yeah. And this was in uh, 2008. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, but I didn't, I, like, I was just in places that didn't even have internet access. And yeah, this place still exists in the United States. And that's the thing. These like, rural places are behind. But you don't have, you don't know what's cool. But, but, or we're, what's in that, but we're in this going, that like those people that are so cut off, and they finally have their connection to people outside and putting up their, what they're doing, and how, like, you're just accepting the idea that the Internet is just going to be inherently negative. And that seems dangerous. And that's so, a good point. Like, because, like, there are people that's going to have their first contact. And I'm just talking about the United States. My God, think about the entire rest of the world. Yeah. And, uh, like, all, like, all these different nations have been so cut off and so deprived of outside viewpoints and outside information. And... When, like, just assuming the idea of, like, okay, if you go online, people are going to be assholes to you. Like, ah, I believe it's going to be but this hurts me. This hurts me. It's going to be both, but, yes, there are going to be a lot of, and, unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of behavior, a lot of people, you know, I, I, I hate to excuse, oh, I'm only an asshole on the Internet. Like, you're probably actually really an asshole, so, so for anyone wondering, like, any, like as asshole as I am on any social media, I make it a point. I only use my real name on everything. I vi- I violate internet social on that. I, on Reddit, I am on Jeff Burke. Yeah. I use my real name yeah. on everything. So I am accountable for every single fucking thing I yeah, say. I mean, I With, think it, and I'm an asshole. Chris O'Fall, you can admit it. You know, like, like, you know me. I'm a friendly asshole, but I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole, too. I mean, that's the thing. You're a friendly asshole. asshole. That's why we yeah. don't with each other. You know, on. I, I think, like, you know, that's the thing. It's like, this internet, though, has brought me other people. so much good things. Like, it's the, the, good, the good of the internet has outweighed the bad. I mean, I, I was able to, you know, both of us have had a breakout book. Both of us yeah. had a book. Yeah, I would not be working with Eraser Press right now if it was not for the internet. So that is a simple yeah. shift, true. Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I, I work with a guy in Spain. Like we, we work together. Like we do projects together. Like he, it's even fucking. The internet is. That's the thing. I, I, I don't want to sound like this whole pessimist. I'm, I'm saying, like you do probably need to just protect yourself. I hope that's the thing people learn. But you, man, if I knew, like. If what was here now that was, like, what was in, like, 2016 was in, like, the year 2000, man, I mean, it would, things would have been so much easier for me if I had, like, this kind of social network as you. Well, yeah, no, I talk about it a lot. Like, I, I, I can't. It's such a benefit and a curse, I feel, for people growing up at this time. Yeah. Because, like, 
me coming from backwards Pennsylvania, like, if I had internet access there when I was, like, oh, you know, 12, 14 years old, the books, the music, the films I could have had access to, things that I had to wait, yeah. I had to wait, like, 10 years for. Yeah. Like, it was, it was honestly going to completely have changed my life. And so, like, I'm so in favor of this, but... It's a trade-off. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's gone, it, there's so... The good and bad to everything. I mean, that's just, I think, life in general. Okay. Now, now we're getting, all, like, really off, topic, off the election, but I want to ask you about this. Because yeah. this is something that's, like, kind of bothered me. And I can't tell if I'm just becoming a old motherfucker or if... Um, or if it's something about internet culture, that I feel with this intense access to everything that has come before, and that in a weird way, there's less acknowledgement of what has come in the past. And that the past is more accessible than ever before. And, like, I remember being, uh, like, God, I really am sounding like an old motherfucker. I remember being a teenager and, like, tracking, like, having to track down all the VHS tapes from, like, the independent uh, video store in the middle of nowhere to, like, get my history of horror and find out, like, oh, this is what horror movies are. I like horror movies. uh, I got to track down uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Thing and Return of the Living Dead and all that shit. And I I literally had to do that. And now, like, all that stuff is immediately accessible. And um, I'm very in favor of illegal downloading tours. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, like, every single movie is accessible through there. But I feel that a lot of the younger audience is, uh, uh, while very tied into what is currently going on, does not have that history, which I also feel is, like, actually led us directly to the rise of the alt-right. Yeah. Like, Jack Thompson, who is somebody that in the 1990s was campaigning with congressional Republicans to have video games be censored by the federal government is is now an advocate of Gamergate and Gamergate supports him and and just a simple Google search shows his history and so I feel like the weird thing is like history seems not to matter even though it's all accessible there's a key word here and I believe it's very important I'm so confused please listen it's an important characteristic, I think, especially for artists and for human beings to have, and that is curiosity. And I feel if the, this next generation, they lack curiosity in certain areas. They maybe are lazy-minded in some ways. I don't know. I, I think that it's next generation because I feel like I'm becoming old saying that. Um, and you know, but I think you know, remember everyone talking down to me. In general, I just think that's people in general. I think people have always been like that. I just think most people are fucking like whatever. I, I, I mean, that's the the realist in me. That's the the you know. I just think most people could give a fuck, like you know. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a generational thing. I think um, you know most. I think people that are interested in something, they'll go and fucking devour it. Like you know when I, I mean. You know, 
I like writing stories. I, I, I've actually like I'll do, I'll read books to 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 write. Certain, you know, what I mean, I, I'm I'm curious. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to find out more. When you got interested in horror, you wanted to learn more. I think yeah. it's what people are interested about. If they're not that interested and they're just casual about it, I think they're just like they can give a shit. You know, it's I, I think that's just. Okay, I, I hate to use the video game analogy, so what we're saying is it's like the casuals are dictating the conversation? Yeah, I, I, I think they always I think they always have to some degree. I think you have to trick the casuals into, you know, seeing something. I mean, no, you're probably correct. It's probably always just been like this. I think it's, it's always been it's like this. It's taking a new, new form. Yeah, it's just taking a new form. I think casuals have always, you know, the passionate people... And that's, I, I try to make a, 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 a point to keep my eye on the casuals because that's a whole other culture, you know, because I don't want to just see from my own um, my own point of view. So it's kind of nice being around this small town because in New York, everybody's like into the, you know, we have the highest culture there. So I'm seeing like what these casual people are. I mean, it, I mean it's interesting. Like, I mean, I saw... You know, some like one person in Claremont have. Uh, I think you were the one who pointed it out on social media. He had, um, you know, an Eric uh, Andre. Oh yeah. Oh, what was that? I mean, we posted. So I, he posted something about a bump, a bumper sticker. Be like, yeah. what is this? I'm like, it's the Eric Andre show. I know. I asked. Like, is this Eric Andre related? And it's like, cool. There's yeah. somebody here who actually knows what. Uh, knows something that I'm really passionate about. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something really stupid. Yeah, it, it, but it's like, that's cool, though. I mean, and I talk about that in the well, also, maybe, also, with Eric Andre, also, like, borderline really racist if the context is not understood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, but I, I think, yeah, I think, like, you know, just the red, the casual people, they're just, you know, um... I don't think it's a generational thing. I, I think it's just the people, you know, I think a serious horror fan is going to go look through this thing and try to learn more of the history. Um, you know, I think there's a bias to, like, you know, I, I, I've been bad about, like, I won't always go look at films from the 30s, but I'm interested in, like, the 50s and up, you know. Um, but, and that's just taste, but... Yeah, I think that's. I don't think that's generational. I think that's just. It's always been that way. That, that's my. That's my opinion. I hope you're correct. I hope you're correct. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think. Um, I, I think we actually. I, I mean, I, and I said that in this. There's a lot. There's been so much coming back, and I have been really uh, disappointed in the season of South Park. So far, I'm not sure. I actually have liked it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and I feel it's relevant to everything that's been going on. Is one of the things I hate the most about about the season of South Park is mem- member berries. And I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna assume that everyone listening to us talking here um, has watched. This, yeah, watched South Park. So. I think so. Fuck. If, if you know what we're talking about, uh, too bad. Yeah. Um. But uh, the member berries thing is, like, I thought, kind of a clever idea, but basically so far has reduced itself into just a Saturday Night Live level of, like, catchphrases. And um, I think it's actually on a bigger issue that this 
political season, I'm not just saying election, but this political season of the states is extremely hard to satirize. That yeah. it's so insane uh, that there's nothing you can. Oh, like, I'm I'm actively happy that my ideas I have for political satire books I did not write for this season. At first, I thought I was missing the boat, and now I'm like, no, I'm happy because it's they really were, hard. They yeah. not have been insane enough, and it's an own it's its own entertainment. This pop, I mean, the fucking debates are hilarious to me. You know, especially the Republican debates. We I mean, literally had, and we talked about this in fucking August yeah. of last year, and I'm going to bring it up again. We literally had a candidate who is now one of two people that is going to be the president of the United States talking about their penis size in yeah. a political debate. Like, yeah, I mean, this is I, nuts. I should have saw this trend coming. I thought, oh, cool, I'll write a book about Trump, Trump Island, and, you know. I actually had another book idea called, like, uh, Donald Trump and the Alpha Billionaire Butt Trump. You couldn't have done, like, you couldn't it was, have done it justice. There's no thing. Yeah, I, I, I realized, like, there's just, this is it. Like, I think, actually, political satire in its own weird way is a little dead. I don't want to say it's fully dead. No, that that's actually something I've been observing is I, that the, the, I'm done. The, the, I think I think the agent of the Daily Show, the agent of Daily Show, kind of has ended. It's done. I think actually with even myself, <laughs> part of it. I think we had to like Mandy and Sandra and Chuck Tingle and, and like even Ray White. It's like we had to just go so over the top that it becomes pointless. You know, Chuck Tingle's things, like, I think that joke is even getting old now. I, I love Chuck, but it's like, I don't think we can even satirize this anymore. We've hit a point where it's like, we're just, this self is satire. It does, it, it serves uh, no need. What? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it serves no need for us. We, we, it's already there. There's no catharsis through the satire. It's, I mean, it sucks, and I love writing political satire, but I'm like, I mean, now, like, even Mandy stuff I do, it's like, it's only going to be, like, publishing, or I might even just write hardcore horror or something. Like, I think political erotica satire is dead. Like, I, I, I felt it. I, I felt it. Like, I did, the last one I did was, uh, um, Tequila Tequila Fucks the World Flat, which actually was pretty good. It was actually <laughs> Is actually really, really good. I was like, man, this is extremely well written and like really philosophical. But it's just we just got to a point where, like, the the content itself is satire. Like Trump, Tequila, Tequila, Milo. Like, so you know, I, I want to talk to you about. Um, I want to talk to you about this election like before my podcast, and like all, all this shit will probably be going up within like the next 24 hours of yeah. the time of us recording. But what's also like hideous is you know we're going to be out of date when this goes up. That like you said you want to talk about politics because of the spirit cooking, which is what we all start we started all of this off of, and like that was only when I went to bed last night. Like that was not. Like on any national context at all, and it's just moving so fast. Yeah. And this is that's also another thing that I find very fascinating and too fast, in my opinion. 
it's it's too just it's it's people aren't really. I mean, it's just moving. So I mean, and and two weeks ago, we're like, we thought Trump was going to die. I mean, it, it was gonna be a blowout, and now like polls are really tightening. I mean, maybe it's bullshit, but like, uh, you know, I. Uh, with the polls I don't tightening, think, I, the, sir, other I people the polls have been saying that the polls would tighten at this stage of the election. Yeah. It's not that he's gaining votes. It's all those undecideds who weren't really undecideds or now. Yeah. So, but, I mean, if he wins New Hampshire, I'm concerned. I'm truly concerned. And I, I, I think that's actually possible now. I don't know. There's... You know, I go out, like, we, it was funny, we, you know, I take, I, like, sometimes I'll take, I take Friday off, with my work says, I'll take, like, Friday the day off. We went out, we, it's like a 40-minute drive, and we go to Dartmouth, the Dartmouth area. It's like the one place of civilization in our area, and that's the only area I saw people, like, big on Hillary. It was the only area. Everything else around it in our, like, the 50-mile the radius are Trump supporters. Well, the, the, I, I do want to point out, like, yard signs don't mean fucking anything. I live in Portland, Oregon. I have not seen a single Hillary Clinton uh, No, I see people wearing signs. hats and shit. I see, like, the fucking Trump hat and all that stuff. Like, I well, see... My, I don't leave my house too often. I'm kind of a shut-in. But yeah. my, my girlfriend tells me about the one time... Uh, it's actually important. You know, you guys, it's not really a... a like, New Hampshire actually, I think, does represent battleground states. With the signs we have on our yards, according to Portland, and the signs I see walking around my neighborhood, doing my grocery shopping, going to the stores, yeah. it's Black Lives Matter and Bernie Sanders is going to be present. Yeah, we still have Portland. Bernie Sanders signs everywhere in my neighborhood. Yeah, that's Portland. Portland's a very liberal, you know, it's a, it's a true liberal City. I mean, Portland was a city, and I almost went to the rally, and I really regret that I did not wake up early enough to go. But the uh, Trump rally? No, no, the uh, Bernie Sanders rally. Oh, where yeah. the birds uh, landed on this podium. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that fine. happened in Portland. Yeah. And so, because I missed that rally, and I just. I have no real excuse. I just was like, ah, I said too late, and I slept in too long. Right. And I didn't make it. But I was dead set to go to the fucking Donald Trump rally he was supposed to do in Portland a couple yeah. months ago, and he canceled it. Yeah, I remember you. I wasn't okay. going to protest. I just wanted to go and see what he said and report back to everyone, like, this is what he is saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you and I, I think at our heart, at our – Part, we're kind of journalists in our own way. I think that's what, we, in the true sense of the word, I think that we're just looking to give people information. And that's why I went to the uh, yeah. um, the Occupy Portland eviction, and that was what both uh, Kevin O'Donoghue and I were doing. We were both sending out stuff via social media. Um, we, we had much crappier phones then than we do now, but it was just like, this is what is happening. Like, we support this cause, but, like, look at these cops in full. And I think there's a good place for that. I think there's people for just, hey, this is what's going on. And that's always a welcome I, thing. I wanted to go see Donald Trump just to be like, I'm not being a protester, but, like, dude, this is, this is, like, this is the presidential candidate. This is what he is saying. Yeah. No, he did not come to fucking Portland. I'm so pissed off over that. I was so excited. I was so excited. It was going to be um, 
myself, uh, my girlfriend, and Garrett Cook. <laughs> we're all going to go. And we were having to plan out all the stuff, like, like okay, like, like I was looking at things that you can't take into Trump rallies, and, like, we have to make ourselves look as normal as possible. But I don't know. It's going to, I mean... I will be relieved when I do see Hillary win this thing. I would say, basically what I feel is it's about 85, 86.7% chance Hillary will win this presidency. That's to sum it up. I think that's really it. There is a weird chance, though. There is a weird chance if enough crazy evangelicals, uh, enough people sit, I mean, like me, who just sit at home, who don't go, I mean, I, I... you know, I was dumb. I didn't realize, oh, yeah, I'm registered for Florida. You know, that's the thing. It's, you know, I, 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 I'm I, technically still a Florida resident or a New York resident. Well, I, I, I've been, uh, so, you know, looking at some news stories and for the uh, states that have absentee and advanced voting, uh, it's up higher than it's basically yeah. has ever been in U.S. history. We are already looking, by the time of our recording, uh, 30% of eligible voters in the United States have already... In absentee, yeah. Have already voted. And they're going to be Hillary. They're going to be Hillary. And, in fact, in terms of exit polling, but exit polling is really bad in yeah. the United States. So, for all you Bernie supporters that feel that Clinton stole the election because of exit polling. That's not true because we don't have a standard system of it. And though that means what I'm about to say, say is subject to conjecture, but the current system of exit polling we do have is showing that uh, Republicans are ditching Trump for Clinton around the 28% mark, yeah. which is devastating. And that what's most, what all we're seeing, if I'm wrong, we're going to look really stupid right now, but eh, I think this is what's going to happen, is that there actually is a silent majority, and what the silent majority is, is women voting for Hillary Clinton. Now, I feel that this is the first election in United States history that is going to be decided by women, and Trump did so bad with women. And and the alt-right, one of the big fascinations of the alt-right is anti-feminism for some stupid reason. I just want to talk real quick. Like, my my girlfriend, uh, she comes from a much more conservative background than I do, a much more conservative state than I do. And um, uh, she, like... we we get along just fine, but like she has some more conservative viewpoints, and she always identifies herself as anti-feminist, whereas I describe myself as a pro-feminist. And in the past two years, what the Republican Party has been doing, she's now saying that like fuck this shit, like I'm a feminist, like yeah. like this is this is absolutely absurd, and I don't I well, do not feel that she is the only one. You there? Yeah. Got an ad popped up. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but, like, 
there's, I do feel, a silent majority in voting and that Trump just completely alienated. Yeah, I I forget that, actually. That's a reminder that I always believed demographics was going to call this election, and there are just too many women, people of color, men who are just like, I don't want to fucking have a world war. It's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much. I think um, that silent majority is going to We've now spent, like, almost two and a half hours talking about, like, all this stuff. And we haven't even gotten down into, like, the dirty aspects. We, we, we've we actually kept, like, a high ground in talking about the big concepts. But there's, like, the fucking grab them by the pussy. There are yeah. just, there are yeah. arguments over, like, at the debate, uh, Trump talking about, like, restricting abortion rights. And, like, like you know... Talk about yeah, I mean, my girlfriend who is a conservative person, and it's very funny. I'm a conservative person, but I am. Yeah. But she's a conservative person, but she very much does not want to have a child, and abortion rights is something that she cares very much yeah. about. And to have like have a presidential candidate being like, no, under no circumstances, and yeah, that's, you can't have yeah, like no, like doesn't matter how conservative she is. That's how much directly affecting your life. And I think there actually is a, like, silent uh, vocal thing, which we're going to see happen, of all these Republican women voting for Clinton. Yeah. Because Clinton is yeah. in favor of women's rights. And yeah, and the loud, these loud, there's, like, these really loud voices, but there's people, like I said, there's the people who don't really give a shit about politics, but they're like, oh, yeah, I should vote. And they're just going to hear Trump saying really horrible shit, and they're like, fuck this guy. And that's it. And that's going to be a lot of women in the suburbs, middle-class women, women of freaking all class, really. And I do believe women are going to decide this election. Which, oh my god, like, how many elections have we fucking had that, you know, more than half of our population is finally going to have a say in... Yeah, I'm sure that. Like, I'm actually kind of... That's one thing that I do not like a lot of Hillary's policies, but that is one thing that I am, like... That is good. ...happy about is, like, holy crap, we're actually, like... The same way Obama, like, we have racial identities now... Uh, having a say in our election cycle. Now we're going to have women having a say in our election cycle. I'm like, this is good. And I'm a state white dude. I'm like, no, I'm happy. I want everybody's voices in play. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't get this whole, I, I think there's a fear of women being equal, and I think it's a really fucking stupid fear. Uh, there's I, a I, definite fear of it. There was a definite fear, and I do not understand it at Oh, I, I think, um... I, so, I, I, I work for a woman. Rose O'Keefe runs yeah. the entire press. I work for a woman, and yeah. she's a, a a great boss. Like, I have, like, no complaints. And she's someone yeah. I really I, am happy to work for. So, I'm like, women are capable of fantastic... You know, it, and it's, it's funny, I mean... So it's, why are some people afraid of this? I mean, my, my, my agent's a woman, and I have to, you know, as I, I'm trying to keep right, like, I have to take, I have to do what she says, basically, if I want to publish with bigger presses, which is a goal I have. It's like, she knows her shit. I, I don't get this fear. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know, and I see it a lot, and I, I don't know 
Um, maybe, I, you know, maybe if I ha- I've had girlfriends in my, I don't, I don't, <laughs> animosity toward women that I'm seeing. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a, like, I like, I'm a feminist with common sense. Like, I mean, it's just, you want to label me something? Like, I just think, I think things are, I think the best person for the job. I mean, I guess, and maybe that's, that's actually a conservative mindset. I'm just like, whoever is most qualified, I'm for. You know, that's, that's usually my mindset. Like, Rose is, she's fucking done an amazing thing with, with Eraserhead. Like, that's a fucking genre that's been started through a single press. You know what I mean? It's like, and I, I don't feel she'd be offended about me about this, but Rose has been very in favor of Hillary Clinton since the very beginning, and her yeah. and I have hung out a lot of times. She's one of my favorite people in Portland that I get to hang out and drink with, and she's like, uh, she does a lot of work, and she's not in it quite as into politics as I am. Yeah. And uh, it's like, all right, what's this bullshit going on about Clinton right now? And I'm like, all right, let me explain to you. It's nothing. <laughs> but, like, this is, this is what I'll Yeah. I think yeah. this is good overall. I mean, I, I, I want to, I mean, I don't want to use the word meritocracy because that's a loaded word. But, the, but that's the thing. Oh, no, like, all right, let me get negative here. I hate the fact that now we are, like, now we're talking about positive and that we're having a Clinton back in office. Like, yeah. we're running into dynasties in the United States. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. not something that was supposed to be happening, and this is now becoming very consistent in modern history. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's just this um, weird, maybe even like a primal thing in people to have dynasties, maybe to have a king, to be ruled by a, a certain genetic... I don't fucking know, man. I mean, it's it's very odd. Um, I think it's just... Last know. August, both you and I were convinced that uh, Bush was going to be uh, one of the frontrunners. So when I, again, I, I never like, thought Bush would be... I, I actually and, never... And, and when Bush... I never when, thought that. I oh, thought okay. But uh, when Bush dropped out of uh, this cycle, like, that was one of the big signs that, like... Fuck, it's done, yeah. It's over. It's Trump. Well, people are done with Bush. I mean, that was when Trump, like, so it's weird. There's a big shift going on politically, and I I think we're going to, I think it's going to come, I think it's going to normalize in 2020. I think basically, like, the Democrats are very good at, um, it's weird. They're, like, shifting. It's funny, like you said, like, patriotism. Democrats are really owning now. Democrats have 100% taken over the concept of patriotism. I also, also we're, we're getting into a one-party rule. Like, that's, that's what's disconcerting. I, I also see that Democrats are going, like, they're falling in line the way Republicans used to. You know? Yes. Yeah. They're really, like, you're like, fuck. Like, no, I'm, you're voting for Hillary. Like, people will go out and get after. I've seen it. Like, and because it, it, the stakes are high, but that is going to set a precedent. That hey, we get around whoever is our president. You know, even you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I think Republicans are really—it's like weird—they're changing. Like Republicans are becoming the very emotional, Ill, irrational party. You know, like they 100 percent have. But this I, also, it's, it's, I, I personally feel, and we'll find out on Tuesday if I'm right or not, that that's what's dooming them. It is. I mean, I, I think there's going to be some. For, and I actually, for for a, for a healthy Democrat, 
uh, you need two parties. You need at least two parties that are viable. I would like if yeah, I would no, I if agree. I was an operative. If I was basically if I became RNC chairman for the day, like if I became that job, this is what I would do. Because I, 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 you know, I could have done this job. I didn't want it though. I would actually go back to. Um, I mean, conservatives are best when they're like playing the dad, so to speak, of the household. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah, go right. They're like, hey, we can do this. We're a great kid. Like, they need to have this, like, fake optimism and, like, I mean, I really think they need somebody like Rubio who can, like, say enough bullshit to the Christians. That's but, just, but, but that Rubio is not going to happen. It already got... It's already, already failed. They are not going to have a Rubio in the future. They already made it clear that that is not going to know. If they're not going to... I mean, it's not going to be Paul Ryan. I, though, I, you know, he could... Paul Ryan, though, would actually be smart in some ways, because... Oh, but the, Paul Ryan is already toxic because of the yeah. whole um, Supreme Court issue yeah. and him blocking the Supreme Court nominee. Yeah. But I think I think they need. I think honestly, I think it's really the only person I can see them winning a, an election with is Rubio. They need somebody that actually has optimism. Uh, that's the one thing. Like Rubio, Republicans are good at selling bullshit while still being realistic. That's their biggest strength, and they're not doing that. I like what you said there, optimism, which is kind of a thing that also Clinton has not been very good at. I, I, I like to, I like to see some optimism uh, again, like, and that was one good thing yeah. that Obama did that I was yeah. very critical of his policies and very suspicious. Made you feel optimistic about but, America, but he didn't make the, our country feel optimistic about itself. And, and as, as, as a, a patriot at heart, yeah, as a Floridian, I, you know, I was more, I, I was sort of like, I'm like, you know, I don't like this guy at all on social issues, and I think he's kind of out there on taxes. I think he's too much to the extreme. But I got, I got like Ruby. I was like, you know, this would play well to people because at least, like, I don't. He, yeah, he has that story of, you know, hey, I, I came here from Cuba, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it no, made me... No, no, that's exactly, that's exactly why I agree with you. Yeah, like, like, yeah. He would have been all, like awesome in doing it, not saying I agree with him, but he would have been a, like, a cool political figure for the United States. And uh, we keep going back to like, look at what we're dealing with right now. Like, there, there is no that hope and inspiration. We don't to make people so angry and so irrational. That's right the thing. Now. That will never win. A guy like Trump will never win. And that's the thing. Basically, it's just for, he's the candidate of the people who follow politics 24-7. That is what Trump is. Yeah. You know, he's, the can, he's their dream candidate. And, um, and ironically, it's people like you and me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I followed. No, we're, we're actually talking about the uh, the uh, spirit cooking, which this will be complete. Spirit cooking will be completely unknown. Yeah. Three months from now, it'll yeah. be completely forgotten. But, I mean, the thing is, though, it's like I don't really. But this is the thing. For my entertainment purposes, I read books. I watch fucking shit on Netflix or Hulu. Um, I, I don't play video games. You play video games. Like, I, I don't a lot go, of games. Yeah, I don't go to politics for my entertainment. I'll read some stuff here and there. I don't really watch anything. I mean, I watch Bill Maher once in a while. That's the difference. Like, I'm, I, I'm 
knowledgeable in it. It's not my entertainment. And for a big majority of the right wing, it's become their entertainment. It's like a, it's like an extension. I don't want to say church because that sounds Also, argue it's true for the left wing as well, and it just became yeah. true in this. And the, the left wing, because I, I used to be one of those people. I like. I used uh, like Michael Moore. Like right now, I fucking hate Michael Moore. Yeah, I do too. Michael I Moore like is just become a fucking sham, and he's just like. I agree. Just selling shit to liberals are really good. But I remember when kind of like Michael Moore just became first on the national scene. It's also because I lived in a very conservative area. Yeah. So having someone like him come on national scene, I was like, yeah. oh, my God, somebody that thinks remotely like me. Yeah. But now with the Internet and you have access to all these viewpoints, I have become very sour on those very um, hard-lying side. Yeah. Or line side people. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's weird. It's like I'm I'm having my cake and eating it too, complaining about people who follow politics as we're talking forever about politics. But I do. I think it, it's not healthy for a lot of people. I think basically making politics be a part of your life every day and you consume political things for more than, like, for, for some, I mean, and that can include going on Facebook for hours on end having political discussions, and, and you know, it's, it's okay once in a while, I, I don't know, I think it's unhealthy for a lot of people, I, 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 I think, and it's weird, the right wing was more of that, but now I'm seeing it on the left, and the left is people just talking on Facebook, and the right wing is still, now it's like all day. Because you can, it was it usually just the talk radio. So you listen to Russ from twelve to three. You know, I knew a lot of people like that. They listen to him as Russ. People who work and people who didn't work. You know, no, I don't, no, I love your insight. It's yes, it's yeah. perfect. Go on. It, it's it's you know, my girlfriend. I remember my girlfriend. Her dad. He did not work. He was a stay-at-home dad. He was an uber conservative, and he listened to fucking Russell and Ball and and like Michael Savage. But he's like, they're, they're all these entertainers and. It's that's the thing. Their goal is just to make you keep listening, you know. And the thing that sells is this conservatism, this especially this type of like, this is the way. It, it, it resonates at a primal source, and especially for people who are like confused about changes, you know, they, they wonder why does a liberal radio not work as well? It's because liberal radio has more nuance, and it's it's not as it's also there's less certainty with liberalism. You know, when you're when you're selling certainty, it's very intoxicating. You know, like I've listened to certain, certainty is always conservative. Like, yes. like I'm I, I'm a very liberal person, and part of the reason I'm a very liberal person is because I'm always trying to understand different people, be that liberal or conservative. Sir, I'm comfortable in. Uh, uncertainty. I, 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 I'm okay with that. A lot of people aren't. The, the quote, Operation Ivy, by the way, of uh, Plato, all I know is I don't know nothing. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, exactly. That's that's a great quote. That, that would probably serve me, actually, as if you wanted to ask my political viewpoint. If you wanted a sentence to, to say it, that would be ideal. Cause I'm just like, I don't really know. I'm just observing. But now, now we're getting like kind of like egotistical on like floor. So I was like, oh no, no, like we're smart enough that we know that 
Uh, we don't know yeah, what's fucking going right. on. And so many people that are reacting but, like that. Yeah, but, but he also actually, I mean, we were, we were foolish enough to study this at a higher level. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We were also foolish in that way. I mean, that's the thing. We actually studied and got a, a worthless degree in this. Yeah, and my, de- my degree is worthless. Yeah. I got a degree in political science, and I studied history, which is also. But so I mean, I leave. Wait, I can one up you on that because I got a de- I got a degree in political science, history, and sociology. Yes, you got three actual separate degrees. Um, it, it was, I have a major in political science, minor okay. in history and sociology. Okay, yeah. I mean, I actually got two. Which two of which is three yeah. fields of study that just all, all it teaches yeah. you is like, oh, fuck, I don't know anything at all. Exactly, and that's what it did. I mean, but, you know, um, and now I don't even want to write about politics, so that sucks. <laughs> that's, that's not what the political sphere is. Oh, man, so... What do you think is going to happen after Tuesday? I think, uh, like I said, my prediction is the the right wing is going to go through a major, major five stages of grief, and it's going to be ugly for for a while. They they're going to accuse her of cheating, then eventually, like they're going you know, to be like, all right, what? And then they're going to. A lot of people I know that like I hang out with. Yeah. have brought up to me, and I disagree with them on this, but I, I want to get your input, is uh, threats of violence. I personally do not believe that there is... I do not believe there will be one ounce of violence. Most of these people are... If there's any good news about people wasting time talking about politics on the Internet, if that's where they do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Here is in the Internet, and they're, you know, they're going to just, you know... I don't think I, I think there'll be very little violence. I don't think there's going to be a revolution. I think I think though this is going to be fought on the internet, and it maybe maybe and that's just a whole new realization after having this long conversation with you. Maybe that is a good thing. Maybe that's where we have our battles. It could be like that's a, that's one of my like utopianist things is that we remove the act of physical violence and instead we just interact. The problem though. That that's the thing. There's that other side of my worry where it just becomes people talking shit on Twitter and Facebook. That's great. But if it becomes cyber warfare, that's bad. Hopefully, if this just can become people let off steam on the Internet, we, we have a great thing. Well, that's fine. You know, what do I care? But, yeah, I, I, think, I don't think there will be physical violence anymore. But I think there will be violence through the Internet. That's my prediction. That's very interesting. That's my prediction. I, I had not really thought of that. There's going to be a lot of more. The Internet violence is going to rise. As physical violence, I think that's the difference between uh, us. I, I think our lost citizens are turning to the Internet. They have that. Uh, we, we do live in a more secular society. They're not turning to ISIS like in the Middle East. Our lost citizens, though some of them are going to do actual bombings and stuff, most of them are turning to the Internet. That's becoming the place for our fuck-ups, whatever you want to call it. I think that's becoming, and I think this is something to <laughs> the Internet is such a wonderful and terrible thing at the same time. It's 
truly like the the fucking apple. I mean, it's like of knowledge. It really yeah. is. Yeah, so that's exactly what it is. It really is good and evil. It truly is. I mean, there's... My life has changed, you know, because of the internet in so many good ways. I mean, I'm basically able... Um, you know, some other things happen, but, I, you know, I'm able, I'm able to do the thing that gives my life the most purpose, which is writing and, and you know, because the Internet, that's possible. I mean, I, you know, and, and network, you know, I've gotten lucky here and there. Um, but, man, there's some real, you know, it's like people are using it for good and people are using it for evil. And I'm not a person of good and evil, but it's like people are using the Internet just to soak their own resentment and basically do nothing with their lives all day. And some of that is the real-world problems of America is that this economy is still bad, and there's less opportunity now for rural people. That crack article really hit home for me, because there is less opportunity for these yeah. people. Yeah. And I, I come from that background, and that's why I left that background, is yeah. because there was no opportunity there. The things I wanted were not in Central Florida. They were not in South Florida either, which is actually even has a lot of things. They, I knew I needed to, for, for, for D.C., I just needed to get out of Florida. And then when I was in D.C., I'm like, okay, this is not what I want. I want to get more involved in writing and publishing and things like that. And um, so I went to New York, and I got, I mean, if I did not know this one guy, I would not have been able to go to New York. I would have never been able to afford to live in New York fucking city. You know, and I got a job where I could write at. Like, that was luck. You know, I, I'm one of the lucky few. You know, and I know that now. But, I, you know, you know, it's like I see the, the Gamergate guy. I'm like, there go I. You know, if I didn't get some fucking certain breaks, I might just be on fucking the Internet. You know, I'm not special. I'm not this great for, like, you know, I think we, we all like to get this idea about ourselves that we're special and great. You know, yeah, no, I agree 100%. Yeah, that's been one of the fundamentally, like, things that has, like, really incensed people this cycle is, like, there's been a long-running joke for decades for, like, why do people re vote Republican is, like, well, one day I will be the millionaire. And, like, it's become even more incensed of, like, it, combined with the fact of, people of other persuasions, per, per, um, persu like, yeah. like we have half of our, like, included in that is half of our pop populace just having women becoming involved in shit, in shit gets and also, I think concerned over, like, where their roles are. For people who are already struggling, in and honestly, some of it's not their own, it's not really their fault, like, you know, to have basically more competition, you know, for the white male, now you have women who are more educated than you, you have African Americans who are, you know, just have gone through a lot of strife already, it is hard to be black in America, I, I've learned, I mean, working in the Bronx with all black students and in D.C., basically in a black neighborhood, there is an actual difference being, you know, you have, there is privileges you get as a white person, there is less, you know, I, I agree with that. If, if anyone listening to this disagrees, I'm sorry, you are wrong. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's, 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 it's fucked up. Oh, what's the white guy who's struggling? It's like, 
it, it affects the self-esteem. It's like, you know, and you see all these people on Facebook who are doing great and, and all this other stuff. It's like, I, I, I think there's going to be a population. I don't know what the solution is, is for that, but I really, it concerns me of people who feel left behind. The, the white male actually is who, who I worry about the most. Well, this is a very interesting related to this. Uh, last year, um, I uh, went uh, on a cross-country trip, work thing, vacation, that I went yeah. to uh, Pennsylvania, and I went to Atlanta, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. And I went to middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, because there was um, airplane stopovers, and um, uh, I went with my girlfriend, who she's originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and yeah. the, and Atlanta was the World Horror Convention. Yeah, yeah. So I I just think to like have like like also visit my family in Pennsylvania and then go to Georgia and visit my girlfriend's or visit slash meet my girlfriend's family and also attend this work event. When we were in Pennsylvania. Uh, she actually gasped at one point that uh, went out for a drive using my uh, parents' car, and we were picking up uh, uh, fresh crabs and uh, fresh corn on the cob, which is what's amazing about those middle of nowhere like places. Like, oh my God, the food is good there. Yeah. And but while we were there picking up uh, fresh shit, um, and we had to refuel. Uh, we feel the car while we were getting gas. A car drove by with shit you not about at least eight Confederate flags flying off of it at various points. She's from, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, and she's like, I have never seen anything like that in my life. And I was like, Welcome to middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Like, exactly. and, yeah. and like, like people don't understand, like, in. I do not think I, I've been seeing this weird shit going on about like a possible civil war, but that can't possibly happen because our we're so integrated with each other. Yeah, and I don't even just mean economically, but like there's the big cities, and wrapping around it is all the poor places that have been neglected. So she was a person from Atlanta, Georgia, and and. The average person would be more likely to say that you see more white, white supremacist stuff in Georgia than you would in uh, Pennsylvania because of it being in the South. Atlanta is its own, yeah. But then her, her interaction was primarily in Atlanta, and, she's, and actually what she told me at that time was, oh, my God, if someone drove around with a truck like that, they'd be shot. Yeah. And, and, and my response was just down the road, about eight blocks, and this is 100% true, I had my first job being a dishwasher, and my boss was the local Grand Dragon of the KKK. Yeah. And so, like, I I, I literally worked for a white supremacist organization. Like, it's these small towns out in the middle of nowhere. It has no... Reliance on what state they're in, it's it, they've just all been abandoned, and it's allowed yeah. this heat 
to thrive. And, and I'm kind of a natural also because I was visually from there. And I left that area for that very reason. And so like, I'm not making a difference on it. Now I'm just a person that lives in a – I'm just a big city intellectual that got a college degree and is now living in a big city uh, 2,000 miles away comment, commenting yeah. on – What's going on? Like, I'm part of the problem. This is all fucked up. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, now I'm actually living in that, you know, and, I, you know, I, I actually could do some good things. I mean, I, you know, that this is actually making me really think maybe I should get more involved with Claremont. You know, maybe I should fucking teach a fucking class, writing class at the library for free. Like, maybe I should actually do something for this community for the maybe two people who want something more are people who, you know what I mean? It's like, I think it's good to talk about these things. So it's like, you know, that's, that's also been my big takeaway yeah. from this. Like, I was thinking about it last, uh, last night and also early this morning, and over what I read to you about when people were complaining about the election being rigged against Bernie Sanders, and then, like, me doing that final post about, like, this is what you can do. Do, yeah. and everyone stopped commenting. I'm kind of like, now, now, like, you know what? Maybe I should. Like, I, I got out of politics. I was very involved, and I got out of it. Maybe I should get back involved. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're in a place now. So I hope everyone listening to this and it's all pissed off over everything, which is very obvious that Christoph and I are very pissed off over everything. It's yeah. like, no, like, the only way to change it is to be active in it. And yeah. that's true. And that's true for both of us. Like, yeah. the, like I, we both agree. The only way to change it is to be active in it. And I think that's that's the thing is this, to sum it up, like, this whole, um, you know, Facebook, social media activism is really detrimental when all said and done. I think... Because it confuses people, and you mentally feel like you mentally feel like you have done something. You have yeah. done something, but you've done nothing. And, and, and I've got to be involved. I think that there, you know, just there are good principles from both sides. You know, I do like the idea of, you know, all right, do something. Then you know, the conservatives. I mean, that was some of the positive about like pick yourself up. I'm not saying that, but you know, I I could do stuff for my town. I mean, I you know. It's not like there's, you know, for... You know, I guess, so that's why the Republican Party has done so well on the uh, state and local level um, over the years because yeah. they actually have successfully organized being like, no, you don't like what's going on, impact your local community. And, yeah. God, man, talking about this, I'm like... Fuck, I think I mean, maybe need to get involved. Maybe I need to stop just writing in my own name and get involved in local politics. Maybe you that's, do. That's what I'm thinking about here. <laughs> man. Like, maybe, I mean, I for me, I don't, if I don't, I don't. Listen, if you're pissed off, that's probably what you need to do. Like, you need I'm to do pissed something. off as well over shit. Yeah. yeah, you need to actually do something. I mean, I, my thing was like, man, there's really no culture here. I mean, I'm in this town. It's cheap as fuck. Uh, it's great. I mean, I get to live, you know, but you know, what am I doing? Like, well, I'm not really trying to bring any culture here when I really could. I mean, we could, you know, there's a bookstore here, there's a library. I could actually, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's so easy just to point out what's not there, what's wrong. But I, I think this sums up is just, 
and uh, still look for solutions. Actually, do something. And I feel like that's the note I want to like fucking end on is yeah. that yes, it is so easy just to complain about what's wrong. It's so much more difficult to actually do something yeah. about it. Yeah, and that's the solution. And I, I already talked about it earlier. If anyone's listening, and if, if you haven't already turned us off by this point of our ranting and raving, uh, but, like, if you want to do something about it and you truly care, get involved on a local level. And, it, like, it doesn't matter if it's supporting a candidate or if it's just joining in on a local protest, just be involved in some way. Every little bit of involvement does matter. Memes, Facebook posts do not matter. Twitter does not matter. And we're going to see that come Tuesday. Yeah, definitely see that. So, I uh, want to leave the ending notes on you, Christoph. Uh, <laughs> we've just been ranting for fucking hours. So, what is the ending message you want to leave to people? My ending message is, you know, politics is a part of life, and, um, you know, for, for a lot of people, you can actually make it be your own, you can make it, you can turn it into something that it's not. I, I, I'm, I'm tired, but I'm not, I'm not saying it the right way I want to say We've been talking for a bunch of Let me start again. I would say that, you know, really look, do something. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if the thing's that's bothering you, don't just bitch about it on the Internet. Actually look for a solution. Really look within. Like, is this really something I, you know, what, why is this really bothering me? You know, is there something I can do about it? Like, pause, self-reflect. Like, don't just go on the Internet and spew shit and just try, like, the Internet is a great tool to connect with people. It's not a tool to just stay stuck in whatever the issue is. Look, Use it as a great thing. Use it to connect. Use it to do the things you really care about. But politics really is best served in the real world. That yeah. is a yeah. place for politics. That's the irony. The Internet in politics, you know, they don't mix well. They really don't. They, um, if you want to write blogs, that's fine. You know, you want to you want to write for a political site, that's fine. Fuck you, class. We'll take a political post. But you know, at the end of the day, it's really about doing something. I mean, I enjoy politics as sports, but it doesn't consume my life. It really doesn't. I I, I just enjoy. It. It's really got. I I love playing the game pickleball now with these old people in Claremont. <laughs> Is this something I really enjoy now? You know. But it's not the end-all, be-all. And really, like, you know, if you're not doing anything, you know, physically and in the real world, find that thing you really want to be doing then and and look on the Internet for that, I I would say. You know, find some purpose in your life. Uh, Don't use politics to give you purpose because it's really not going to give you anywhere. And you're really just going to end up being – you're end up going to be someone's tool for their own agenda. You know, Milo, all these guys, you're just making them rich, you know, and that's on the left wing, too. They're entertainers. 
that's the thing. Politics turned entertainment, and you know, there's better forms of entertainment. You know, that's the thing. You're you're just you're just a consumer. That's the truth. You know, you, you use a hashtag. That's actually helping somebody. The people who you know, I, I know this. I know this as a, somebody who knows marketing. Like you are being you you're you're being a fool. Like you really are. You're basically just making somebody else rich or have influence, and they. You know, they, you know, they don't mind. So, take it into the real world. Keep, keep politics as much as you can off the internet. That's, that's my final statement. And find something you do care about. Find something that, like, gives you the same thrill that you do, that you'll get from sending a fucking political meme. And that's my final statement. <laughs> so, in conclusion of all of our ranting over these hours, if you actually fucking care about it, if you actually give a shit, do something in real life. doesn't matter what side you're on. doesn't matter what you do. Volunteer for a, a local candidate. Attend a protest of an issue you care about. Just fucking do something if you really care. If you don't, I want to end this on the note. You are the political poser. You are Green Day. Woo! We made it to the end. That was Christoph Paul discussing the insanity that was the 2016 election season with me. I'm sure we probably pissed off everybody in the course of that episode. I'm sorry. We just kind of don't like any politicians, as you can tell. So, I want to thank again, Christoph, for sitting down and spending all that time talking with me. Uh, what you guys listening don't, listening don't know is that when we ended recording, we talked for another three hours about all sorts of other stuff. Once Christoph and I get rolling, we just do not stop. For this episode's music, I was really trying to figure out what band I wanted to play. Now, this was a very political episode of my podcast, so obviously I felt I needed some music that was political. And considering this election season and some of the insane statements made by Trump, in particular, grabbing by the pussy, which we didn't even get to talk about in this episode because there's so many other things we had to rant about, I decided what would be the perfect pick is the Baltimore hardcore punks War on Women. War on Women have been a band and the punk scene that have been enjoying some recent notoriety that they're one of the hot up-and-coming bands. They have out several albums, including Improvised Weapons and their self-titled War on Women, and they've gone on tours with bands like Anti-Flag and Leftover Crack, so you know it's associating with groups like that. This is some real hardcore political shit. And they've also been a very timely band that one of the big issues that's been going on in culture right now is debating what is the exact role of feminism. And war on women have a very strong stance on it. You should be able to figure out that what their stance is concerned, the fact that they're radical political punks. And it seems very timely to me that a lot of the anger that Trump has been uh, tapping into, one of the aspects of anger has definitely been uh, what some people perceive as a frustration in regards to feminism overstepping its bounds. 
Now, I am going to go right out here and say that is fucking bullshit. And everybody expressing that opinion is on the wrong side of history. And I am sure this band would, would agree with me. So, off their self-titled album, this is War on Women with Say Concludes this episode. Holy shit. If you made it this far into it, wow, thank you so much. And um, if you listen to this before the election, uh, I'm not going to tell you to go out and vote. I quite frankly don't care. As we talked about in this episode, I don't vote. What I will say is if you choose to vote or if you choose not to vote, whatever you fucking do, do not vote for Donald Trump. Until next time, hey. Have fun, and hopefully the next time you hear this, we won't be living in a world where we have a demagogue megalomaniac as our president. Actually, we know that's not true. They're all demagogue megalomaniacs. Let's just hope it's not the one talking about using nukes. So yeah, this is Jeff Attack. I'm Jeff Burke. Until next time, have fun, (laughs) y'all. Huh?
Papa loves Mambo. Mama loves Mambo. Look at him play with it. Get so gay with it. Stop no lay with it. Wow. Papa loves Mambo. Okay, off we go with another in between episode. If you've been listening to the podcast, particularly to these in between episodes, you'll know that I was invited to jury the annual national jury exhibition at the Warsaw Museum of Contemporary Art. I'm back about two weeks from that, two or three weeks. Uh, it was fantastic. I had a slight minor hitch on the way out when I got hauled into secondary screening. That's uh, part of the U.S. immigration. You can you clear it in uh, Dublin. And, uh, yeah, I was called in and uh, was grilled about <laughs> all sorts of surreal stuff to do with art. It didn't make any sense to me. I thought I was in a Kafka book or something. Very unfriendly, a very inhuman kind of system. The officers were really unpleasant to me completely at odds with everyone I know in America and all the people that I've met when I was there in Warsaw and previously in May in Muskegon. Uh, so, yeah, not representative of uh, America at all, that system. And that's in Ireland. God knows what it's like in other parts of, you know, the world or where, you know, other entry points into America. So, yeah, that was that was an unpleasant start. But then once I got through that, that was fine. It was, it was, it was uh, <laughs> when my hand stopped shaking, it was fine. So my time in Warsaw was lovely. It was a, it's a fantastic museum. If you haven't been, I strongly encourage you to go there. It's quite remarkable what's what uh, David Hummer has done there and his team. It's a lovely building, and it's it's just going to keep getting better and better. The opening uh, night was recorded, so I've just cut together some of little highlights of that, of the uh, award ceremony. So it starts off with uh, David Hummer, the director of the museum, just saying a couple of things, and then he introduces me. To host it uh, for everyone, and on top of that, uh, this is our third annual. The first annual was a great show, you know, and we were so excited. And honestly, it was a great show. Awesome! You think to yourself, "Oh my God, how can how can we top that?" Uh, Alyssa Monks was our juror, and uh, it was just it was a terrific time. And uh, the second annual, uh, we had Frank Rudnicki as our juror. It, it, it again blew everybody away. Uh, tonight is very special. I've had the opportunity over the past two years to uh, speak with John Dalton um, on his podcast, and now finally in person, uh, you know, he was, he was uh, kind enough to come here from County Kerry, Ireland, which is uh, a couple hours southeast of uh, southwest of Dublin. He's just I've made time to be able to get to know you. And I've got to tell you, you're one, you're one of the most fantastic people I've met in a long time. And I'm so honored that you're here. John and I have a lot in common, and, and he's so easy to talk to. Uh, very real. And, uh, you know, for those of you who don't realize it, he's got one of the most successful podcasts uh, coming out of Ireland where he interviews some of the most prominent behaviors and cultures of our lifetime. And so he's very well respected in the art world. Please introduce yourself to him if you're an artist. I'm sure he's love to talk with you and you know, see if that can go somewhere. I'd like a, a show of hands of the artists that are exhibiting here tonight. So, uh, 
you know, it's not cool as that piece, like, you know, broader contemporary ideas. So for there to be a museum that very much focused on figures of art, it's a beautiful thing. And you have it in your community here in Warsaw, of course. I can tell you that the broader figures of art world, because I have artists from all over America, from all, all over the world, Europe, Australia, who are interested in figures of art, they are all inspired by this place and what's happening here. Because very few of the, um, the meme in Barcelona, that's again, the space of figures of art. And, but there's not many places that are so focused on figures of art. So it's fantastic. You, like, you've got such a fantastic resource. I've been saying that I live a little town in our I'd love to have something like this down the road for me with the, the caliber of work that's on, you know, just like show after show after show. So, down with the awards, the moment the awards, you've got to build up to the top awards. I don't want to do that because it's like, I'm an artist, you're an artist. But you want to, I'm going to do the first, the, the, the mention show first, so that, you know, you can, <laughs> okay, maybe, um, okay, I didn't look at that, maybe I'll get that. I'll just do the way around, it'll be like, you know, great, but I'm not a much merriment ensued from there on. I'll include a link to the video of that whole awards presentation uh, because I go up to each painting and I talk with the artist and we they, they explain a little bit about their what was behind their paintings. So I go around the best in show, the award of excellence, the honorable mentions. Uh, so yeah, if you have time, go and have a look at that video. You get an idea, you get to see what the space is like as well. As part of O'Neill Scott's winning the the award, um, he's going to come on the podcast. He'll probably be on the next podcast, and you'll hear all about him and his story, which is very interesting. And I'll also include uh, in the show notes on the website, I'll include the Best in Show painting, the Award of Excellence painting, and then the honorable mentions as well. So, yeah, so you can go and have a look at those and see what they're like. Now, during the exhibition was fantastic. I loved it. It was a great process. And David Hummer, the director of the museum, was, you know, I hope you're, you know, all the other jurors we've had, they've all hated me. They've all said, oh, my God, this is really difficult. I didn't find it difficult at all. Um, I'll give you some of the things that I took away from being on that side of it, being the juror. The main one, and you will have heard me say this in my opening kind of remarks, is this idea of, like, when I have submitted to um, exhibitions or competitions and I didn't uh, make it, I always felt a bit rejected. And what stood out to me being on the other side of it was that it wasn't a process of rejection at all on my part. I actually liked everything that was submitted. In one way or another, I liked everything. 
and it was a process for me of deciding what I liked the most. And the what got best in show was the painting out of all the 450 entries that I liked the most. And the Award of Excellence was the one that I liked the most for excellence. And the Honorable Mentions were the ones that I liked the most for Honorable Mentions, and so on. So it wasn't a case of me rejecting works gone, I don't like that, so that's not getting in. It was a case of, mm, okay, I like this one more than I like that one, so I'm going to go with this one. And whether that's the way other jurors operate from now on, that's the way I'm going to think they operate, because that's a much friendlier way of thinking about it. So if I didn't get in, or if I, you know, if I submit to something and it doesn't get in, I will be thinking, okay, there must have been other paintings there that that juror or that group of jurors liked more than mine. And I encourage you to do the same thing. <laughs> I encourage you, whether, regardless, is just think of it like that, because it certainly was my experience. Another thing that stood out was that some of the photographs didn't do justice to the paintings. But, uh, even some of the paintings that I chose to be in the final 45 that were in the final exhibition, when I actually saw them in person, I said it to the artists who were there, that picture that you submitted did not do that painting justice. And I have a feeling that it comes from a desire not to tamper with your photographs, which is right. You don't want to misrepresent your painting. But on the other hand, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot and submit a photo that was like, well, that's the photo I took. That's, you know, I'm not going to fiddle with it. Like, I think it's fine to change the contrast, the brightness, even the color if it's not representative of your painting to, so that you can look at your painting, look at the photo and go, yeah, that photo represents my painting. I, I think it's fine to fiddle around with it to get it exactly right. So, yeah, I would encourage you not to withhold doing that. Another thing, and this can seem a bit harsh, but a common issue across a lot of works was what I'll loosely call delusions of competence. Like there was work submitted that you knew that the person had aspirations to be able to draw or paint in a certain way to a certain technical level of skill, and they just didn't have it. It just wasn't there. You just immediately look at it and go, no, that's that's not there. I mean, you can look on Instagram. It's <laughs> full of delusions of competence. People putting up uh, pictures of particularly celebrities where you kind of have a reference. And you, you can just tell straight away, no, that's not there. And it, I, I kind of was surprised at this. I was looking at it going, two things. They must either be really sure that their technical skills, they must in their head go, yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah, I've, really, I've nailed it. <laughs> and that they don't have anybody around them who they can show it to and somebody who can say, no, you didn't. That's, that's, not, that's not good enough. You're not there yet. Uh, so it's hard to self-judge yourself on these things. But ask anybody, ask a child particularly. Children are great in terms of uh, brutal honesty. I'll just tell you. Or anybody. They don't, the person doesn't have to be an artist. But getting a second opinion, I think that's pretty important, you know, to save yourself having to submit something. And, you know, it costs money to submit. And if you are aspiring to do something and it's not actually hitting the mark, uh, it's probably not going to get chosen. So, yeah, get a second opinion. Have a good look in the mirror about the delusions of competence, about where you actually are. Because skill level is something that continues. You know, if you keep practicing, it gets better. It's not like you're a bad person if you can't draw well. It just means you need to practice a bit more. And if you don't have the eye of honesty, let's call it, where you can look at your work and go, no, <laughs> I know what it looks like in my head and that's not looking like it on the page, then get someone to 
help you with that, meaning show them and they'll tell you. Another uh, issue across a lot of works was a lack of a kind of focus. There would be, regardless of technical skill, the paintings just were a bit bland. They had lots of technical brilliance all over the whole painting, but it didn't add up to any particular thing. Now, I don't mean composition, though that plays into it, but there was something about the painting that just was a bit flat. It just didn't do anything. It just kind of sat there. Whereas there were even, you know, as I was talking about uh, some of the submissions that weren't technically good enough, it was uh, frustrating because some of those had a great focus, but just they weren't executed well enough. Whereas other paintings were beautifully uh, executed, but they just... They just kind of sat there. They didn't do anything. So, I mean, the best way I can describe it is a central kind of focus. And I don't mean in the center of the picture, but something that drew the eye to a particular point or a particular place inside me of focus that kind of gripped me. And I think it's the same. Show other people. Ask them what they think. Probably ask artists this one because, you know, people who aren't artists, they'll just be impressed with the technical skill. But I think uh, a good artist friend will sort of say to you, no, it's not, it's not punching, it's not doing it. So, yeah, some sort of focus, lacking in some sort of focus, that was another issue. Uh, another thing that I was surprised by, now I don't, each call is different, but in this call, uh, you could, for the same money, uh, I think it was $75 to submit, for the same money you could submit one or four. It was up to four pieces you could submit. I was amazed at the number of artists who didn't submit four. They just submitted one or two, which is fine. Maybe, you know, that's all they had that they wanted, wanted to submit. But as a juror, it's really, it really helps if you've got more than one to judge on. Again, I, as a juror, picked one for each person. Some jurors in previous years, they picked three of the same artists, two of the same artists. That's fine. I just wanted to give everybody a chance. So I, if each artist submitted four, I would pick the one of the four that I liked the most. But it was great to be able to see a sort of spread of work. Uh, some artists, I liked all four. They were great. Uh, I would have could have picked any. I just picked the one I liked the most of those four. Then other artists, only one of the four that I liked the most. The other three, no, I wouldn't have picked them. But it was great to be able to see the spread of work. So, yeah, if you're going to submit, I strongly encourage you to submit the maximum amount for the call. Another thing was to go to the opening. I know it's, you know, <laughs> not always possible with travel, but if you can at all, I, I strongly encourage you to do that. It's a great way to meet other artists, to meet the juror, to talk to them, maybe get some feedback, to look at other people's work, puts it in context. You've got a vested interest because your, your piece is showing and you kind of see how it sits with all the other works. Now, it was great in Warsaw. I think nearly 20 of the 45 artists came. Some traveled great distances to be there, which I applaud them for doing that. And then afterwards, we, we went to uh, a sort of a restaurant bar thing, and we all kind of were able to sort of chat with each other, which was brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, strongly encourage you to, to go to the opening, if you, if you can, at all. And then uh, lastly, I was surprised that of the 400, like, okay, there was 450 entries, 45 got through. Of the 400-ish 
that didn't get into the show, only one person got in touch with me. Now, I hadn't even thought about people getting in touch with me. And when I when this person did get in touch with me, I was like, oh, my God. I, it wasn't comfortable. I don't like giving people the bad news. But I thought afterwards, I thought, well, good on them. Like, it's you know, why not? I mean, I could have not answered. I did answer. I gave them as, you know, my answer as best I could why their work didn't get selected. But uh, it seemed like a missed opportunity for a lot of the other artists who didn't uh, submit to find out what it was about their work. Uh, so I think, yeah, if you submit to something and you don't get in, it doesn't hurt to email the juror to ask them why. You know, you'll grow. And I had a nice interaction with the person who, who got in touch with me, and uh, they were very appreciative of my comments. It's just one person's perspective. It's just my perspective. And you just add that in with every, all the other kind of feedback that you get. But, yeah, a bit of a missed opportunity. That's not to say that I want to, you know anyone else to email me. You know, that's all moved on, ship sailed and all that. But just if, for you, if you're submitting to future calls, yeah, it might be something to think about. Now, Michael Shane Neal was on the podcast a while ago. He's a... Uh, predominantly a portrait artist. Uh, let me just see where he is. He's usually in the wardrobe. He's probably in there waxing his moustache. Anyway, he's just written... <laughs> he's just got a book coming out. Uh, so, Shane, you've, you've finally got your book out. That's it. My first ever. Yeah, your first ever book. Congratulations. Yeah. I know all about books. It's not easy to, <laughs> to make one. Gosh, it's been... It's, it's taken a long time. It really has. It all started a long time ago, but in terms of the, the, the sheer hard effort it was about you know a year to get it from start to finish yeah. it really it's, it's and and as you know it's painfully hard to finally hit the button and say okay it's done yeah well the name of the name of the book is portrait painting my point of view yeah um so and that's, it's, a, uh, it's a beautiful hardcover book uh, is it available in the in like on Amazon yet, or is it only available it free? It is. That's on Amazon it is. now. It's, it's, a, it's, up, it's up on Amazon now. Yes, so it should be available world, worldwide. Very good. And <laughs> is it just completely focused on portrait painting, or is there more to it than that? So the emphasis is portrait painting, but I do point out throughout the book that I've been taught from the time I began to paint to be an artist first, and not just a portrait painter. Uh, you know, my long-time friendship with Everett Kensler, who was you know, one of the greatest portrait figure painters, he was just one of the greatest artists, period, of the last half century. And uh, he insisted on, uh, that all of his students make sure that they focused on painting first, and then if you had a specific interest, like painting portraits or landscape or still art, you could focus on that. And that goes back to Sargent, John Singer Sargent, who once was – engaged uh, through uh, letter writing with a student who said to him, how can I become a better portrait painter? And Sargent wrote back to the student and said, well, the first mistake you would be making is studying to just be a portrait painter, that you should first acquire sort of the sufficient skills to be a, a good artist no matter what the subject matter is. And then if you're interested in portrait painting, it will make it more tolerable. Uh, he, as you know, famously burn out on painting portraits because of the difficulty of them and, and the challenges facing a portrait painter. So the book is about painting portraits, but I talk about principles throughout that can be used for an artist that wants to paint anything, 
And then if they would like to apply their skills to painting portraits, there's a lot in there for you. Right. Very good. And you have some step-by-step demonstrations in it as well? Yes, I do. So there's uh, some step-by-step. There's drawing step-by-step of drawing the head. There is uh, painting step-by-steps. No landscapes in there step-by-step, although I I have done those, and there's some on my website I know that you can access. But uh, several portrait uh, examples that are done from start to finish step-by-step. Very good. And you include some of your stories of some of the people that you've painted. Yeah, exactly. So for John, the focus of the book, I sort of had two ideas from the the time I began. One was that it was for artists, and if you're interested in painting and specifically painting portraits, uh, there's information for you there, principles to help you work through that, uh, to grow as an artist. And then if you weren't a painter, but you were interested in what a portrait artist does, I found that to me, as I guess it may be my own Scots-Irish heritage, but, you know, as you know, you, you Irish are particularly good at telling stories. And uh, that, that uh, it's something that I enjoy doing as well. And it's really what's so important and really is a part of being a, I think, an artist that paints portraits, that you have to be keenly interested in people, what makes them who they are, what makes them the people that they are. And so I'm fascinated with uh, the interaction of the artist with the person they're painted, the uh, experiences that go along with painting a person from start to finish. And because I feel that painting from life is an important and an integral part of creating uh, portraits still today, even though I do use photography uh, as a resource, there's so many wonderful things that happen when you're with the people you're painting. And so I've related some of those stories and I think that if you're not an artist, you'll still find it interesting. Very good. What's your favorite story from the book? Oh, favorite stories from the book. Oh, my. That's a, that's a tough question. One that I often feel that I was sort of 